Football Friday. Yes, sir, baby. What a week. What a circus week in Philly. Hey, man. God, thank you for the content. It didn't get any. Hey, I think the Eagles are actually more interesting and more entertaining now than they were during the football season. Okay? I think they're more entertaining now. This is fantastic. What a week. What an absolute week. That uh, thing you called, uh, hey, the Liars Club that you had at that press conference the other day. That's what I'm calling it. It's, it's now more from Fireside Chat to a Liars Club. <laughs> it's like the Liars Club. Okay? As the Liars in Philly turn, it's the Liars Club. Wasn't really anything that was with any kind of value of truth. Okay, nothing. But it really gave me a lot of content this week. I mean it, man. Hey, by the way, I hear people now around our city comparing Nick Siri Liar to um, Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh. There's a massive difference, and I said it yesterday. Those guys are coaches, they make their picks on head coaches assistant coaches, offensive game plans, who they hire for their guys. They're involved in their game plan 100%. Nick Siri Liar's not. He has no say in that. You even learned that yourself by listening to the Liars Club on Wednesday. You heard him say it. You know, I don't got nothing to do with it anymore. I'm kind of like an overseer, a CEO kind of guy. Like John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin. No. Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh pick their coaches. Pick the style of offense they want. Win Super Bowls. Have a quality organization. Are great in draft picks. There's a difference between Nick Siri Liar and Mike Tomlin. You can't honestly think that those two guys are the same. Mike hires his coaches. The Pittsburgh Steelers don't. Who in here believes that Nick Siri Liar hires his coaches? Who, who thinks he hires his coaches? How many people believe, and I know this for a fact, because two of my friends were hired in Pittsburgh by him. Mike's got complete autonomy. I played three and a half years with Alfredo Roberts at the University of Miami. He's the tight end coach in Pittsburgh. Kevin Colbert, I've known for 35 years, is a senior executive to Art Rooney and was the general manager of the team. Carl Dunbar was my teammate in the World League for two years. Those guys say they never interviewed at any time with Art Rooney. Or the GM. They only met with Mike. They didn't meet with Mike and a GM and his lapdog guy. They met with only Mike Tomlin. And Mike Tomlin went, all right, you got the job. Nick Siri Liar doesn't do that. 
That's the difference between those two. We also heard this week by some folks talking about that stupid ass 667 win percentage. I'll make a point to you on that. Got some great topics here. By the way, we're going to talk a little bit about Drew Rosenhaus. Not a fan of his, but there's some truth to what he's saying, and we'll get to that in a minute here. So let me let me let me throw your great Nick Siri liar 667 win percentage at you. Do you know Nick Siri liar has a better win percentage than Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, and Doug Peterson? Would you take Nick Siri Liar over any one of those coaches, including Chip? Would you? Well, here, wait a minute. Rich Kotai has a 563 win percentage. He's got a higher win percentage than Doug Peterson. Buddy Ryan has a 551 win percentage. He's got a higher win percentage than Doug. Dick Vermeil has a 535, the worst of them all. And do you really think that Nick Siri Liar is a better coach than Dick Vermeil, Buddy Ryan, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, because he's got a higher win percentage? Who in their right fucking mind would hire that over Andy Reid? Your philosophies are crazy on win percentage. 667. Andy Reid's 583. Well, Reid's got Super Bowls. Not in Philly, he doesn't. So are you trying to tell me you think Nick Siri Liar is a better head coach than Dick Vermeil? Would you hire Nick Siri Liar over Dick Vermeil? Would you? Some of you in here and some people around Philadelphia would hire Nick Siri Liar over Dick Vermeil. Over Dick Vermeil, who's barely above 500. That means, according to some of you, that you would hire Buddy Ryan and Rich Kotai over Doug Peterson. He's got a higher win percentage than Doug. So you would hire Rich Kotai over Doug Peterson according to some, because he's got a better win percentage. It's hard to win in the NFL. Is that your theory? Or is it about advancing your product, getting your team better, getting your quarterback better, being consistently great, being a problem solver? Okay? It's crazy. We got higher win percentage. I give a fuck about higher win percentages. So Dick Vermeil's got Dick Vermeil. I don't know. A tone. Does Dick Vermeil have a 500 win record in St. Louis with the Rams? You know, I don't remember Dick Vermeil having a winning record with the Rams, but according to some, you would hire. Nick Sirianni, because he's got a 667 win percentage over Dick Vermeil. And Dick Vermeil might be under 500 in St. Louis. I think the only year he had a really a great year was the year they won the Super Bowl. 
I mean, anybody who thinks that that clown belongs as the head football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles will be once again in for a rude awakening like they were this year when you were calling him the best coach in the NFL. There were actually people in Philly calling Nick Sirianni the best coach in the NFC. Now they're saying he's right to stay. Now it's half the group and half the room in the media are doing that now because you know they got to get access to the room and they got friends inside the organization. So remember something, they got to keep relationships going. Me here, I could care less. I don't care if you like me or you don't. I don't really don't care. I never have. In my 36 years of broadcast, I've never cared about that. Okay? I've never cared. Vermeil, record in Philly. 54 and 47. Kansas City, 44, 36. St. Louis, 22 and 26. That's where he won a Super Bowl. So do you actually think Nick Sirianni's a better coach than Dick Vermeil? Dick Vermeil in St. Louis is under 500. He's four games under 500. 667, three straight playoffs. You would hire Dick Vermeil. I would hire, I, I would hire Dick Vermeil. You know what you would do? You would hire Nick Siri Liar because 10 and 1. Don't let the record snow you or fool you. NFL records are fool's gold. And you know how we know this? What if the Chiefs win this weekend? How many games did the Chiefs win this year? 10? Did they win 10 games? What if they beat the Ravens in Baltimore? And they won four less games. They won 11 games. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Baltimore won 13 or 14 games. Okay? Isn't Baltimore the better team? Or is it because Mahomes and Andy Reid? Those are the people right there that you're betting against. You're betting against and by the way, I'll tell you what, John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson versus Andy Reid and Mahomes, that's quite a Titans battle here this weekend for the AFC Championship. I can't wait to see that. That's must-see tune-in television, watching those two guys go after one another. How about this one, too? Am, am I right? When I say this, that Jared Goff can become just the seventh quarterback to take two different teams to a Super Bowl. What a resume builder. What if Jared Goff, what if Jared Goff gets to the Super Bowl and wins it? And he wins a Super Bowl and has three conference championship rings to boot. Are you starting to talk about Hall of Fame? For the last six years, he's thrown for four grand. He's won a Super Bowl, if he does, and he's won three conference title games. Are you starting to talk about that guy for Hall of Fame conversation? Why wouldn't you?
two different teams to Super Bowls, a championship, three conference titles. He'll be the most accomplished quarterback in the NFC. If he gets that team to the Super Bowl and wins it, Jared Goff will be the most shit. He'll be the most accomplished. He right now he's the most accomplished quarterback in the NFC. This is another conference championship game he's in. This is the second conference title with two different teams. And you're talking about the Lions. On the other hand, you got Brock Purdy. A guy who everyone thinks because he was drafted the last player in the draft. He's not as accomplished as these other guys. These other guys have what? These other guys are all first-round draft choices. He's not. You should be rooting for Brock Purdy. I actually am. I'd like to see Brock Purdy turn that $50 million a year tag that you have to have a $50 million quarterback on its ear. You know, Lamar Jackson could do the dual threat thing and turn that on its ear. Mahomes wins another title, three championships. We're now starting to talk about conversations of Montana and Aikman and Bradshaw. And then the next guy's Brady. There's so many subplot stories here and sidebar stories. It's remarkable. Brock Purdy, $870,000. That shit's staying quasi weakens or weaking quasi or what's his name? Quez Watkins. That's it. I forgot because I didn't really see him all this year. Marshmallow hands. Stick with that one. The pillow fighter makes more money. Crazy. Crazy, crazy great stories this weekend. Hey, will Kyle Shanahan get his Super Bowl finally? That will be an incredible story, to say the least. And then we slide back to as the world turns in Philly with all their drama and all their noise and all their bullshit and all their lies and non-sustained success. I mean, the Lions and the Niners are going to be better than you for about three years. They're not paying Jared Goff gigantic money. They got him on a decent deal. Remember, he was a throwaway in the Stafford deal. He's, he was the throwaway bridge quarterback who's now in a conference title game. By the way, I'm not shitting on that deal. Have you guys ever seen a deal work out for two teams that was really great? Matthew Stafford, I'm not ripping the deal. The Lions rebuilt themselves with the deal. The Rams won a Super Bowl and are back to being a good-looking football team of the future if Stafford can stay healthy. I don't think it was a bad deal on either end. And, and if you really want to be candid about it, until Detroit gets to the Super Bowl or wins it, the Rams have the better deal here. 
Now, maybe in the long run, the Lions, because of all the people that they've hit on, that's a great deal that both parties benefited from. The Rams wanted to win a Super Bowl now. The Lions wanted to build for one, and they are. Kudos to Brad Holmes, man. They turned an entire organization that hasn't won a championship since 1957 around. That's what you're talking about, hitting on your draft picks, hitting on your free agents, and building for the future. It's a great job. It's a great storyline. It's a wonderful storyline. I love it. I actually can't wait to see the four best teams in the NFL playing against one another. We'll talk about it, too. Obviously, we'll preview it. These are the four best teams. You know why? You know what's great about the four best teams that you're seeing this weekend? Ain't nobody throwing 10 and 1. Ain't nobody talking about bullshit. You had to play yourself into it. This isn't a committee picking the four best teams. This was a tournament you had to get to and get through. I got a deep storyline for you. If the Lions versus the Ravens, that's a pre-Super Bowl era rematch. Lions beat Browns in 57. Browns left to become the Ravens. Browns, that's yeah, that's pretty good there, man. Very good history, Bobby. Way to connect it. Outstanding. Outstanding stuff. All right. We're going to have some fun here today in a bit because I'm going to pick your players of the year on the Eagles if you can stomach this. We're also going to do this. I saw a story and I saw a sound clip and a video bite of Drew Rosenhaus talking about Vic Fangio. You got to remember something about Drew Rosenhaus. He is a guy that you cannot trust. He is a guy that has his client's self-interest. He is a agent who only thinks about his guys and what's in the best interest of his guys and then him. But the one thing that he's not going to do is try to ruin relationships. Why? Because he's got to deal with the majority of these organizations on a daily basis or a weekly basis. Sills, I appreciate that you call it as you see it. Keep cooking. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Rudy. It's all we do here. Okay? That's all we do. Most people don't like people telling the truth. It's okay. And by the way, I appreciate everybody that comes in here every day and types their little heart out. I do. You know I do. Because you're making us bigger and bigger. I can't thank you enough. As Charlie Sheen would say, winning! <laughs> because it's important to you to be here on a daily basis. Just like Greasy. Sue, I love you. Thank you. All good. So, as it pertains to Rosenhaus, one thing Drew's not is a liar. And he said something that Vic Fangio wasn't really well-liked by some of the players that were on the team, most notably on the defense. 
and that there were guys that were even with the Dolphins posting on X or Instagram some sort of comments about Vic Fangio not coming back as the D coordinator of the Dolphins. Great. I don't want you to like your D coordinator. I want you to play for your D coordinator. That's what that fucking team needs is somebody in there with an attitude. And if you don't like it, pound sand. It's about time that you got somebody with some balls to go in there and do this. Sit the fuck down. Shut your mouth. Instead of sitting here and patting people on the back for getting killed and going one and six down the line. That's the kind of coach I want. I want a coach that's going to be honest. Kids, you suck. You're not getting it done. And I'm going to replace you. So when I hear players in Miami crying about the D coordinator and a guy that's been in the league 30 plus years and is revered as one of the better coordinators in the league, you think I give a shit what a Miami Dolphin player thinks of Vic Fangio? Honest to God, I could care less what those guys think. I have no caring. It has no bearing at all if the player likes him or not. Hey, weren't Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts boys? What'd that get you? What did that get you? Oh, you know, so those guys were friends since, you know, Jalen was two. So? So? I think that's one of the reasons that the Philadelphia Eagles wanted him so badly was because they wanted a guy with some authority that was going to come in and read these guys the riot act when they weren't playing good ball. What does anybody have a problem with crybaby dolphin players not liking? And by the way, seriously, so Darius Slate, you got to make a decision on that guy. He's represented by Drew Rosenhaus. You know what Vic Fangio is going to do? Dude, you want to be here or you don't want to be here? This is going to be entirely up to you. You're going to restructure that contract, or guess what I'm going to do? I'll eat the money, and I'll tell those guys to eat the money, but I don't need somebody who's going to be worth half the money playing corner. I can get a rookie to do that and develop him for the next six years. Instead of paying your sorry ass, you can either play ball or not play ball. We're going to take some hits on our dead money this year. And you're priority number two on that list. And you know who else is? You, James Bradbury. You two guys are my number one priority this offseason. You two fuckers better play game and play ball. Or guess what? I'll cut your ass. And I'll eat the money. Because I need those roster spots. This is where I think they're going when you bring in guys like Vic Fangio. Okay? That's about time, man. 
You can't be held hostage because of money. Or you're doomed. Kansas City wasn't going to be held hostage with Tyree Kill's money. They sent his ass to Miami. Got draft picks, retooled the defense, AFC title game, sixth or eight year. How you doing? Don't you get it? This is about building a structural salary cap and a roster that is balanced. Your salary cap is an unbalanced cap and it's top heavy. That's your general manager. That's supposed to be his forte. He has completely screwed up the defensive side of the football money-wise. Completely screwed it up. So this high-powered big deal guy that I hear people talking about completely imploded the defense financially. What's your excuse to that? What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Seals, do you think they will keep Bradbury because of the money? I do, Chad. Chad. The only way I'm going to keep him, though, is if he restructures. If he restructures the deal, they'll keep him. If not, I think they eat the dead money. They eat the dead money. They need the roster spot more than the $15 million corner who can't play. Top five in wins since 2000, Sills, and you have nothing to show for this but one Super Bowl. That guy is celebrating being less than the Giants. Celebrating being less than the Ravens. Celebrating being less... Then the Rams, the Bucks. You're celebrating one Super Bowl completely. Uh, again, let's do this here. This fits for everyone. How many people believe that Tony Dungy, and I've asked you this question before, underachieved with Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Marshall Falk, and Edgerin James in Indianapolis by winning only one Super Bowl. How many people think they underachieved there? I do. Tony has said it himself. We should have won more. He wasn't talking about 13 wins. He's talking about the fact that Ben Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh has more Super Bowls in one destination than Peyton does. I mean, I'll say this to you. Make no mistake about it. Vic Fangio being hired, he's being hired for more than just a 34 defense. They're bringing an authoritarian in. They're bringing a guy who's going to bring assistant coaches in. They're bringing guys who are going to be able to get in people's asses. I'm actually liking this hire more and more and more. And get guess what? The Dolphin players sold me on it. 
they're crying about the guy because the guy was too hard on him. Hey, the reason that that Dolphin defense fell apart and went down to 19th at the end of the year, you know why? They had massive injuries, man. Martin asks a great question. You think Fangio will make Dean better by any chance? He can't hurt. You know why? I'll tell you something that they're interviewing. I had a great conversation with Joe Barry. You know how I know Joe Barry? He was the Bucks linebacker coach for Monty Kiffin. You know who he worked with? Raheem. Lovey. He, he was on that Buck defense with Monty Kiffin. He knows how to have Tampa too. Now, is Joe Barry a great D coordinator? That I have a question on. But as a linebacker coach, he's a fucking great coach. This guy coached Derek Brooks. I mean, this guy coached so many good players on that Bucks team at the linebacking position. Know your history. Okay? I mean, Hardy Nickerson swears by him. You guys probably don't even know really good football players when I say the name Hardy Nickerson. He's a good linebacker coach. Coordinator? Again, remember, do you understand the reason that the Eagles are interviewing all of these people is because you're trying to put the chess pieces in the right place on the board. Thoughts on moving Blankenship, the linebacker. RTF, why not go get a linebacker? Why do I have to coach a kid like he's in junior football by moving a position to him? This is the NFL. Moving Blankenship, the linebacker, he's undersized. He can barely cover tight ends now. Okay? I, 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 why, why do that when I can go and sign a free agent linebacker? Eagle fan, Simeon Rice should have won that MVP award when the Bucs won the Super Bowl, not the return guy that won it. He should have won it because he was spectacular in that game against the Raiders. And he should have won the most valuable player award, I thought. Um, and he's a 100-sack guy. And all those guys were on that coaching staff. Okay? I, I don't know about Devin White, Mark. I'll tell you why. Because Devin White got beat out by a really good football player down to Tampa. Now the kid, Queen... In Baltimore, he's a fine-looking ball player, and he's young. And he's a young player. So, guys, when you're talking about when you're talking about Vic Fangio and guys crying, and the media bringing that shit up like it's a problem, I don't look at it as a problem. I look at it as an endorsement. Good. Isn't that what that team, you think that team needs to get their ass kicked a little bit when it comes to a little bit of leadership and a little bit of authority? Select Trotter Jr. Tell Dean, hey, this, this your rep, okay? 
I think those guys endorsed Vic Fangio. Okay? I think those guys endorsed him. Hey, man, Mike goes like this, Trotter Jr. I don't know yet. Trotter Jr., why? Because his old man played in Philly? That's not a reason to draft him. That's the least reason to draft him. As a matter of fact, that's a strike. I have no interest in that. Because then you're putting your passion and your loyalty to a former player as one of the parameters to evaluate him on. That has nothing to do whether he can play or not in the NFL. That has nothing to do with it. That's the last thing on the... If it just happens to work out that the kid gets drafted by the Eagles, the Eagles aren't taking him in the first round. And I don't think anybody is. I think he's a third-round pick. Okay? I think he's third round. He's third or second. Somewhere high... Third, high, high third, middle of the second. Unless he has a great combine, he goes in there, blows him away. He could be at the bottom of the draft sitting down there. But again, ask yourself this. Do you actually really believe that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to draft a linebacker at 19? How many people in here believe that? How many people actually believe that they would draft a linebacker in the second round? That's a reach. That's not what they do. And that's not how good they are. They've never been good at drafting those positions. And Howie Roseman's time in Philadelphia, now all of a sudden in 2024 April draft, you think he's going to turn into um, Bill Polian. Or you think he's going to turn into Ozzie Newsom? Really? What gives you that reason? What gives you that? See, every time you guys have to have a take on something, you've got to back your take up with it. And when you tell me to take Trotter Jr., okay, and you're telling me to take Trotter Jr., Trotter Jr., okay, well, let's find out a little more about him. Let's watch some game tape on him. Is he a 20-foot rule guy? 20 feet of tape is all you need to really watch of a player before you can make your assessment. Then you want to talk to him. The interview, in my opinion, those stupid-ass drills at the Combines in Indianapolis are the dumbest things on the planet. I get nothing out of that. I get nothing out of it. Can you play? Hey, well, get this. Let me ask you something about your, your boy, Jordan Davis. Okay? Let me ask you about your, your boy, Jordan Davis. Did he live up to his Combine? Has Jordan Davis lived up to his Combine? Yes or no? You think he's lived up to his combine? 478, 348. Ran a spectacular um, shuttle drill. Was awesome in the bags. Has, has he? Has he lived up to it? Trey says he's a winner and he can't play third down. And he fell apart in the fast, last eight games of the year. But Steve likes him, says that's a win. It's probably a win, Steve, because he is a starter. You're not looking to draft pro bowlers. You're looking to draft starters in the first round. 
I actually think the first three rounds you're looking for starters because actually the most productive round in NFL history is the third round. That's where the majority of the starters in league history come from is the third round, not the first round. It's like when people talk shit on Bill Belichick and how he can't build a team. Well, he found Amendola, Edelman, Gronk, Hernandez. Um, all those players on defense. Brady, Garoppolo. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, there's 53 men on a roster, not one. I don't care if you have a great quarterback. If you don't have other pieces filled in and you don't have other parts filled in, you guys think you guys have a great football quarterback, don't you? Well, what did that get you this year? Nowhere. You think you guys have a great quarterback, right? And what happened? The roster, right? The rest of the roster wasn't good. Well, it works in Philly, too. It works in Philly. We you, we have a great quarterback, Sills. Okay. Got you nowhere. And, and by the way, for one thing, it's for sure, your quarterback's got five pro bowlers on your offense. And you still couldn't do anything with five pro bowlers in a $50 million quarterback because the rest of your roster wasn't good. Theoretically, six Pro Bowlers and a $50 million quarterback, and you couldn't do shit with them. That's an indictment on the organization on what I told you when I opened the program. You know what that is? You're top-heavy in your cap, and you have an unbalanced salary cap. You have an unbalanced roster. You're top-heavy everywhere across the board. Richie goes five Pro Bowlers? Yeah. Dickerson? Kelsey? Swift, Johnson, and AJ. Did I miss something? Did I miss something? Five. One, two, three, four, five, Richie. In case you can't count. Five. And a $50 million quarterback. talking to me about building and this week they're not and by the way one thing came out of that press conference also the liars club you're not making fundamental changes in how you look at linebackers or corners or safeties they don't think it's a them problem they think it's a coaching problem and that's why they're bringing in more quality coaches because you know what it's doing is it's once again insulating howie how he's telling the owner, this ain't on us. Because what did he say? We have a great young linebacker in Kobe. Zach had a great year. We have a bunch of good players on our football team. And he's basically throwing shade over at the coaches that they didn't get it right. And that's why you're bringing in Vic Fangio. 
I'm willing to argue that they had nine Pro Bowl level players. Hertz, Swift, Brown, Smith, Lane, Kelsey, Dickerson, Mulata, Goddard. Yeah, because that was the 22 crew. Yeah, absolutely. Nine of the 11 players have – how about this, Tone? We do this. Nine of the 11 football players that are on the Eagle offense have Pro Bowl teams in their resume. They have Pro Bowl names and alternates and all this. Even last year, shit you had was his name. Isaac Sayamalo was an alternate. Could make that comment for sure. What happened? Your roster is not balanced. It's an unbalanced roster. No matter how good your quarterback is, it doesn't matter. If you don't have a good defense, you're not going anywhere. End of story. How about this? I heard Tone say something on Sports Take earlier. You don't have to have the 2000 Ravens to win a Super Bowl. You don't have to have the Buccaneer defense of sapping them guys to win a Super Bowl. You just got to be up. Hey, how many people think that 2017 Philadelphia Eagle defense was a top five defense? Shit, man. Brady went for 500 yards in that game, didn't he? Went up and down the field. They got one stop. They got one stop in that game. One stop. All they need to win a Super Bowl. That's what they're looking for. That's what they're looking for. By the way, Tone, what was the defense overall ranked this year? Can someone help me on that? Could someone help me on what the defense was ranked? I'll show you something even more insane. I'll show you something even more insane. I'll bet you that the defense this year had a better ranking than the 17 defense. Overall. Overall. And shit, wasn't your offense ranked ninth? Micah says no. Okay. I I, I thought I saw somebody say that the uh, 17 team was ranked 14th the year that they won the Super Bowl. They were ranked 14th overall. I know they're 26th when it came to pass defense. Okay, I know they were down there, but they were like eighth against the run or ninth against the run, something like that. So you got to take all of that into account. Remember, it's 17 ball games. <laughs> you got to have a balanced roster and you got to have decent coaches. Okay, so you're telling me, Roland, that the defense overall was ranked 32nd. 
and they were ninth in rushing defense. Somehow that doesn't add up, kid. Eagles were ranked fourth and 17. Okay, I didn't know that. I thought they were ranked lower. Good, okay. Good. Good. This defense, though, if you're ranked 15th, 14th, you can win a Super Bowl. You can win a Super Bowl with that. Look at the Lions right now. The Lions are ranked what past defense? 26th? It's going to be interesting to see how they played against the 49ers. All right. Let's move on to this topic. Dan, you're a Buck fan. No, I'm not. Why? Because I played there? Don't I told you before, I don't root for any team. I'm not going to say that again. Okay? MFK, Dan, I don't care to listen to your negative bull shit about the Eagles and Howie I trust. Another delusional Eagle fan right there who just sits there and listens to bullshit all day long. Someone telling you lies all day. MFK sits there and thought that press conference, probably that love fest or that liars club was probably an awesome thing. Good for you, man. And how, wait, how MFK thinks one in six was awesome down the stretch. Good for you, dude. You thought that was a good show or a shit show? He thinks it's great. They wouldn't live in games, man. Holy cow. What an absolute buffoon to think that. What a buffoon. Dude, you're the person that gives Eagle fan a bad name because the whole entire fan base is awesome. But guys like you are losers. Next year, man. Next year, you'll win five games. With that defensive personnel, let's do this. Who's going to make the Pro Bowl off your defense next year? You know what? I, I, I heard people on our network and on the radio saying that the Eagles can fix that defense. No, you're not. With the group you have? Like, Who? What are you so you're gonna bring in nine more new guys and think you're gonna all of a sudden have cohesiveness, a new coordinator, and you're gonna have a top five defense? How in the world does that work out like that? First of all, important, you have to have a solidified what? Mike Backer. Look, let's do this. What turned the Philadelphia Eagle defense around in 2021? The moment that you started TJ Edwards, your defense turned around. You had a competent signal calling Mike linebacker. What turned around the Baltimore Raven defense from a year ago? One of the top flight Mike backers in the league in Roquan Smith. What turned around the Detroit Lions having a good and competent linebacking core? Why? Because what do most teams do today? Most teams are becoming tight end centric. 
if you can't cover that guy, you can't win ball games. You just can't. You are weak at the position that you need to be the strongest. You you invested two first-round draft choices in your tackles, and they fell apart at the end. And you try, get this, and in your Liars Club press conference, you did everything in your power to justify the shitty linebacker play. Am I right when I say that? He had more praise for a group that was the worst group next to the corner play on the defense than he did even for a team that did pretty well against the run until they put Patricia in. Think about that. Did they get the most out of their D-line? No. But if you were comparing this group this year to 2000, and 22 that they were going to get 70 sacks, you're out of your mind. I'm with Chris Long on how to fix the defense. You need to fix the back end of the defense. I completely disagree with Chris Long because last year – contradicts that don't you see that Tomalene thinks that Chris Long's right you have to fix the back end you're wrong what was the number one difference this year in your defense you didn't get home your pressure was down your hits on the quarterback were down more developing routes it exposed your corners your corners are just the same people they were in 22, maybe a step less than they were in 23. But the number one thing you had in 22 was 70 sacks, multiple hits on the quarterback, multiple tackles for losses in 22. All that volume was cut in half. And you had competent linebacker play. You had two guys. One guy with 160 tackles and another guy with 120 tackles that you were not able to replace. Get this. So when Chris says, we got to fix the back end, wait a minute. You had the same guys you had in 22 that you had this year. But this year, you had 300 tackles taken out of the middle of your football team. You didn't get home. You didn't get near the sacks you had. And you didn't have near the pressure you had because the volume was down. What do you think played a factor in the Eagles secondary not living up to any expectations? The front end of the defense didn't produce. That's not opinion. That's what they did. That's not an opinion. That's not an opinion. You couldn't replace 300 tackles and 70 sacks. What else is there to talk about here? Tell you this, I agree with you, Mark. Hardgrave was a tougher replace than you think. He may not have been the greatest 
run defender, but he gave you multiple de- he gave you multiple sacks. Hey, could someone tell me how many sacks he had this year for San Francisco? And did, did he make the Pro Bowl? I think Hardgrave made the Pro Bowl. I don't know if it was a first or second or third team. But how many sacks did he have in San Francisco this year? I know last year he had 11 with the Eagles. Okay? And he was part of that group. All that volume played a factor in your back end looking like trash this year. And you got rid of Denard Wilson. Here were the here were the absolute missteps on defense. You you counted on your linebackers that you had, and you were get this. Do you guys remember? Do you thank you, seven? Do you guys remember what I said when you guys got Nicholas Morrow and I said, so you're starting the Bears downgrade and the bears are starting an upgrade in tj edwards you started an a downgrade and another guy who had no success whatsoever in dean and thought that was going to be a remedy with a first year coordinator second year coordinator and a new db coach Come on, man. The, the not bringing back a Denard Wilson was catastrophic. The replacing of all those coaches was catastrophic. And I'm talking of 24, you replaced 12 with new roles. And you didn't get home. And your depth level wasn't good enough on the perimeter. Josh Sweat played over 300 plays off his normal production total. Think about that. He played an extra five games because you didn't have proper depth. And then you turn around and go, he wasn't productive. No shit. He played, theoretically, he played 24 games this year. Nick Sills, believe the Chargers pulled off. Uh, hardball, hardball. I can't believe it either. Lurie, like Spanos just did, needs to realize to get out of the way. Charlie, it, it's a remarkable move by the Spanos family on not having. You know what they did too, Charlie? When you do that, you 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 release the purse strings if you're the Spanos family by giving the control to Hardball. Because Harbaugh's going to hire football people and bring football players in. These these guys like Howie Roseman are buckworms, CPAs. That's why they robbed the defense this year, and that's why you have an unbalanced salary cap. See, Howie Roseman's not a football guy, okay? He's a banker. Howie Roseman's a banker. He's not a football guy. He's a banker. You know, he tries to balance the books. He's good on spreadsheets. Oh, wait. Spreadsheets is for Nick Siri liar. Because that's what he said he's going to do. He's going to pop his head in on defensive meetings, offensive meetings, special teams. And he's going to put spreadsheets together. That's right. That's his job. Right. He gives the spreadsheets to the banker, Howie Roseman. Yeah. That's more like it. 
Okay. Okay, yeah, because Siri Liar, he's he's more of a spreadsheet guy. He sits in there with like the ruler and the protractor, putting all these little like practice things together that Javon Hardgrave says no one really practices. But I guess they're gonna practice harder now. I don't know. I I I couldn't tell anything um out of um that 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 liars club. Okay. Hey, no, no. I I did say this. If I was going to give Howie Roseman a job, he's the banker. Completely give him a raise for the Jalen Hurts deal. Building the team this year, I'd fire him. The Sean Desai move, I'd fire you. The hiring of the coordinators, I'd fire you. The hiring and the firing of Doug Peterson, I'd fire you. The taking the credit for the 17th Super Bowl, I'd fire you. Can always count on that guy to bring that ring out, can't you? How he loves bringing that ring out. You know, some of you in here go like this. You bring Doug up. I bring Doug up because how he brings the ring up. Remember, you got to kiss the 17 ring. When you keep your job at the no care center, you got to kiss the ring. What's that ring say? Yeah, there's. I told you this. None of the players have their name on it. It's got the banker's name on it. And how we, we trust. Imagine Harbaugh and Howie in the same building. Jim Harbaugh would have him in a headlock. He'd, he'd have him in a headlock. Or he'd do the Vader powerbomb on him. Right? Hulkamania would go nuts on him. What are you, crazy? See, football people don't talk to bankers. Mask goes, you sound like a huge hater. Oh, I freaking hate everything that went on this year. And so should you. And if you don't, that's a you thing, kid. If you don't hate what went on this year, you got a problem. I don't have a problem. You got a problem. See, get this. He calls me a hater for hating on one and six finish and a complete nuclear meltdown implosion from within. And he calls me a hater, and he don't hate what went on this year. Well, which is it, guy? Who's the hater? You not hating what went on? Or are you just hating what I'm saying? I'd like to know, Mask. Tell me what you're saying, Mask. Are you hating what I'm saying? Or are you hating what went on this year on what I'm pointing out? Tell me what you're hating. I want to know. Name What's the one thing you're mad at me? For saying that you're calling me a hater for. Let's hear it. Tell me what you hate that I'm a hater on. If the Niners had to play Purdy a salary equal to his performance and ability, that's a, hey, 
you're right. He's a $55 million a year guy. Q, Sills, I have seen a couple of teams have two GMs. One to do like what Howie does best and one to talent evaluate. Do you think that's a good idea? I do. But I'm not sure that would go on. And I'll tell you where that goes on. That goes on in Pittsburgh. They got a capologist and they got a general manager. A lot of places do that. And I like that formula. You got a guy that handles the books and you got a guy who handles personnel. You got pro personnel people that do that stuff. If I'm not mistaken, I think John Schneider was in Tampa with Rich McKay. And that kind of dynamic worked there a little bit. I, I actually like football people being the general manager of the team with decisions and personnel and all that stuff. And then you have a capologist guy. I, I You know, that's kind of what Bruce Allen's job was. That's kind of what Bruce Allen's job was in Tampa and in Washington when he did that, okay? You're jealous that we won a 17 and almost won last year. I know for a fact you were happy we lost last year. I could give a fuck if you won or lost. I could care less. This is about my show and content. I could care less about winning and losing. As a matter of fact, I care more that you win because it's better for my show. That guy's a dummy. He thinks covering a shitty team helps your show out. You, you got me confused, guy. That's not a priority of mine. I mean, I mean, it. that's not a priority of mine. Hoping for the Eagles to win. You think I want them to win five games? No, you're trending that way because your stupidity inside your organization. But you see, he's mad at me because I'm pointing out the incompetence that they had down the stretch going one and six. And he likes the one and six finish, but says I'm a hater on it. Sills is delusional on what? Your one and six finish? Delusional on what? No. You know what you're delusional with? That Nick Siri Liar is still your coach. Oh, I have to congratulate Angelo Cataldi on winning the Lifetime Achievement Award. They're going to be honoring him in New York City coming up in a couple months in his Lifetime Achievement Award. And one, one, of, one of the big firms um, is giving him this award. And congratulations, Angelo. And I am very glad that you passed the torch to me. Thank you. It's an honor. And I'll hold it like the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> we take you all. Even all the idiots. They talk shit, yet they come <laughs> that's what i say tone mentally challenge some people isn't it crazy some people get more upset with the with the messenger than they do with the actual message of one in six how about this one how about this one mask you're one in six you look like shit at the end of your season you're mad at me for that 
What do I have to do with it? What do I have to do with it? What do I have to do for it? You see, one of the great things about big sales, I'm not seen in public too much. I don't get out. And you get a shot to sit in here because I go back and forth with you. Not a lot of people have access to me. You're welcome. I found it insulting that Howie tried to say Dean and Cunningham are similar to TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. <laughs> Man, you didn't take that out of there. You could not have. Dude, come on. I did hear him say that Kaiser. I, I did hear him say, though, that Dean was a great player. They have great confidence in him. Brian, I'm kidding. Being facetious. Come on, man. You know better than that. I don't mean that. What's wrong with fans keeping it 100% and saying, damn, Dan, you're right. Can't do it. We did suck at the end. How do we fix it? It takes no effort. <laughs> right? To be clear. Right? Again. Again. I think, you know, sometimes too, Tom, what a lot of people do, they don't like to face failure of why it failed and why you had belief in someone. A tough guy? I'm not a tough guy, man. I was a tough guy 20 years ago when I threw people like you out of buildings. Okay, now I'm just a pacifist. <laughs> I'm a nice guy now. I don't do those things. I'm just an old man now who can't jump over quarters. I'm not that dude anymore. Okay? I'm not. I'm just a nice guy now. <laughs> I'm just a sweetheart of a guy now. You know? Not nonviolence, man. I don't believe in it, you know? I believe in communication and debating. You know, I've 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 changed I've changed my ways. You know what it is, sales people hate being fooled. It, that's exactly true. And when they realize they've been fooled, they don't like to be reminded they've been fooled. It hurts their spirits. I'll tell you something. I'm going to say something to you. Look at Prince. I don't like you, but you're right. He literally said they are the same players in 17 and 22 linebackers are. No shit. Oof. You know why Tone's going knee deep? By the way, we're going to hear him at 3.30. Our NFL insider, Jason Cole, at 4.30. The legendary Philly Godfather will join us at 5.30. You know why Tone's going knee deep? And I don't want to say being combative to some of the guests he gets on. But you know what he is? He was fooled. And you know what I like? See, me, I'm a little bit more abrasive. But he'll get there, too, because he's getting there. I hate to rub off on him like that. Jeff Boyar, Sills cooking away. Thank you. Hey, but you know what? You know what? You know what happened to him this year? He did this one day. They were 10 and 1 or 10 and 0 or whatever it was. And he was going, somebody else full of shit, man. This team's good. This team, they went in. All of a sudden he said, man, you know, they got beat. They got killed. Holy cow. And, you know, Cowboys and Niners. Okay. Then when Seattle happened, then when the Giants happened. Then when Arizona happened, then when the giant game they lost happened, he was like, fuck them. <laughs> ah. 
that's she. I get it now. Okay, I get it now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. First, we're going to take a look at the candidates for and let me see something here. Candidates for NFL MVP. We're going to talk about the Eagle guys who should win your MVP awards. Your season ending. Did Josh Allen end up on that list for NFL MVP candidate? Oh, he did. There it is. Where's Hertz? There's Josh Allen. Huh. Sorry, Tone. <laughs> hey, don't forget our good friends at Hooters. 2024 calendars are out. $100 in coupons are inside the calendars. They're there for you. Again, nine of the girls are featured inside the calendars. You can go to Hooters2Go.com too when you go to any one of the facilities. Great specials right now, especially during the divisional and conference games. We were giving away opportunities for you to have $2 off on pitchers. Now for the conference championship games, $2 off. Buck goes to local charities. Great time for all. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. Don't forget this weekend. Also, kids eat for free. Lunch specials Monday through Friday, 1130 to 3 p.m. Boneless wings. Happy hour Monday through Friday, 4 to 6. Six bucks, six items. That's NortheastTutors.com. NortheastTutors.com. When you roll in, do me a favor. You tell them Big Sill sent you. and Hooters, the perfect pair. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game 
and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Our friend Tone will join us at the bottom of the hour. Conference championship weekend. I find it amusing that all these so-called expert media guys are saying that Bill Belichick can't get a job. Maybe Bill didn't want the job. And where it is, he wanted to bring Scott Pioli in. And Atlanta thought that they would like to still maintain control. So they hired a young quarter or they hired a young coordinator has previous experience on being a head coach who would relent in that and not give Bill the power he wanted. I don't know who has more of a resume of championship football, the Falcons or Bill Belichick. Well, his way doesn't work. I don't know. Everything he installed in Tom Brady and taught in Tom Brady took to Tampa. They won a Super Bowl. Brady even said it himself. All the things that I learned from Bill, I implemented them when I went to Tampa. So I guess the Belichick way worked in Tampa. Got to have a quarterback. Everyone knows that, no matter who you are. I pointed out to you before, look at Tom Landry's finishing his career. Look at Don Shula's. Look at George Hallis's. All the winningest coaches all had shitty endings because they didn't have a quarterback. Doesn't matter what your name is. If you don't have a signal caller that can get you to the finish line, you're not going to win no matter if you're Bill Walsh. It d- doesn't matter. He wanted to bring Scott Pioli in. And they did not want to relent in control of the personnel. That's why Raheem got the job. Raheem's not more qualified than Bill. But what Raheem is, is more desperate to get the job than Bill. Bill's still being paid by New England. If Wilkes leaves San Francisco, Belichick will be the D.C. He's not doing that shit. He has no interest in that. Dude, sit out. Your value will go because you know what you're going to have? You're going to have a bunch of team. His value goes up if he sits out. Maybe there's a better job out there next year. Bill Belichick's value is not going down because he didn't get a job. It's going up. Because you're going to have ownership groups in Tampa – the Jets, um, all across the league going, man, is this the guy in Chicago? You think Matt Eberflus is the answer in Chicago? Honestly, you think Matt Eberflus is a better coach than Bill Belichick? You see, when you've won eight Super Bowls, You don't have to take the first available deal like some of these other guys do. (laughs) 
I, I find it funny that media people go, like you hear this asshole, Colin Coward, saying that um, Bill doesn't know personnel. Dude, there's about 35 pro bowlers he's drafted and put on that team in ladder rounds. He had a quarterback in Matt Castle that he drafted that never started a down at USC. And he won a division title in Kansas City. And he won 11 games the year Brady got hurt in New England. He drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in ladder rounds, took a team to a Super Bowl. He drafted Tom Brady, who won six. He drafted Jacoby Brissett, who started games in this league. He started a guy in Mac Jones who took a team his rookie year to the playoffs. And Bailey Zappi, who started games in this league. I can promise you this. Bill Belichick has developed and drafted more quality quarterbacks than what Jim Harbaugh's ever done. What quarterback at Michigan did he recruit and develop for the NFL? Let me know when you find one, because I don't remember one. Did, no, tell, me, tell me one of the quarterbacks Jim Harbaugh developed when he was at Michigan. I must have missed that. J.J. McCarthy is an Arena League football quarterback. Guy's not an NFL guy. Bill's, Bill's drafted five starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Four of them started at one time. And, and, and the, the trades on getting Wes Welker from the Dolphins and making him an 800-catch guy up in New England. Finding Amendola Edelman. You know, Edelman is one of the greatest uh, postseason catch receivers in NFL history. He's, he's one of the greatest in Super Bowl history, Edelman. Did he that win an MVP also? A Super Bowl MVP? Jim Harbaugh hasn't developed one quarterback at Michigan that was a pro-style quarterback. Not one. He's a hell of a coach. I'm not saying that the Chargers didn't get the right guy. I think they did. But what quarterback has he developed at Michigan? He's, he's done none. But Bill's bad at it? And had four guys starting at one time in the league and also drafted Brady. He doesn't know what he's doing. It the, the way they have like kind of took him apart a little bit, it's just low-hanging fruit. I don't look at it, coaches. I look at the overall body of work. Did the team get better? Did they win championships? His 20 years in New England are legendary. It's the greatest era of a coach in pro football history. Case closed. All he, hey, to all your bullshit and all the things you guys want to say about Belichick, all he has to do is this. Bling, 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 bling. You have nothing to say about it. Well, Brady wanted. I drafted him. I got him the coaches around him. So you think if Tom Brady had shitty coaches around him, you think Tom Brady would win Super Bowls? I don't. Tom Brady had top-flight offensive coordinators around him at all times. Were they good head coaches? No. Charlie Weiss wasn't a good head coach. Was he a good OC? Yep. Was Bill O'Brien? Yep. Was Josh McDaniels? Yep. But you see, what you guys do is you look at those guys as head coaching failures. They're not coordinating failures. Just saying, dude. That's right, Richie. Oliver Luck, hey, you want to hear a, a, a Richie? You want to hear a crazy story about 
Andrew Luck. Dude, when I was over in the World League and Oliver Luck was the general manager of uh, the Frankfurt Galaxy, I think the team was called. This is the NFL-owned NFL Europe. There's a little kid running around. It was Andrew Luck. I mean, <laughs> Oliver Luck backed up Warren Moon. I think he was a backup quarterback in the league for a decade. Okay. I was, I said Michigan, dude. Okay. Yo, Dan, I was watching your younger years and it must have been awesome. I myself am a, pe- <laughs> Hey, all good. My friend. Hey, sports talk radio back in the day was a lot more fun than it is now because Snowflakes are in the world today. And you say anything a little bit over the top, they get their little panties in a bind and they start moaning and crying and they need napkins and therapy. Can't say anything that goes crazy because you, you know, you really can't really do a show like you used to anymore because there's too many pansies in the world. It's just what it is. <laughs> there's too many snowflakes. Damn, did you hear what he said about me? You want to see snowflakes? We got a couple of them in here. Crying all day. Those are called snowflakes. It's okay. World needs them. World needs snowflakes. You know, seasons change. You got to have snowflakes. So all the complainers that complain about me bitching at your team for being one and six are snowflakes. <laughs> Eleven. No way, man. All good. All good, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay hey, hey you know no love i'm not listen the world needs snowflakes by the way that's what we should start doing from now on every time somebody comes into the into the show who's a snowflake should get their designation and their little emoji of a snowflake just so that we know and we could put the scarlet letter on you just so everyone knows you're going to be a snowflake for four hours you know, I don't mind doing that since some of you brand me and put me in a box. Why not? I put you in one. See how it feels. Put you in the snowflake box. <laughs> I'm sorry, Angelo. I kind of go there sometimes. Okay. Little snowflakes. Fall crying. Hey, wait, wait. You talk bad about my team. Well, you were one and six. You talk bad about my coach. Your coach sucks. You talk bad about my GM. The GM lies. You talk bad about my owner. He tolerates it. What is wrong with what I'm doing? Oh, man. The, the show is getting more back to where it used to be. I could, dude, I could never do this show. You know, I had to do a show in San Diego. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Is everybody okay out there? <laughs> How you feeling? Hey, is everything okay? Hey, the Padres are great. One of the greatest franchises of all time. They are so wonderful. Even though the... Uh, what are you going to say, Sills? They're the worst franchise in National League since 69. Oh, did I say that? Damn, I'm sorry. Okay. Principal office, number one conversation. You can't say that the Padres are the worst National League team since 1969. They are. You can't say it. Oh, okay, so... That's off the books. 
Okay. You can't call people snowflakes either. Okay. All right. <laughs> you, 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 you can't really go after management and AJ Preller. Well, AJ Preller has sucked since he's been general manager. They've been under 500 since he's been general manager. He spent over $2 billion in salary and he hasn't won shit. He can't say that. Oh, shit. Why'd you hire me? Why'd you hire me? Did you think I was going to change? Because why? I made more money? See, that's what happens. Like Jalen. Uh-oh. People start ducking now. It changes your approach and how you approach people when you get paid more money. You say less things. You ruffle less feathers. Now, to Angelo's point, Angelo doesn't blame him for anything. I do. But I, I you know, not as much as, like, like watch this. Was Jalen the reason that that team imploded at the end of the year? How much percentage would you, would you say that Jalen was responsible for the way that team imploded at the end of the year? 15%? Is that, is that okay? He's not Jalen Wentz. You okay with 15%? Okay. 15%? 25? 40? 15 to 25? Hertz is not a bad dude. Absolutely not. Dude, furthest from the reality that I have not seen anything like that. And I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Liars club though, man. That was something this week, boy. Got the liars club. Yeah, man. And now you got guys, you see the Philly media going in on Vic Fangio a little bit. Well, the dolphin guys, does this worry you that the Dolphin guys didn't like him because he didn't really, you know, like a lot of the guys that or half half the guys on the defense didn't like him? I think that's an endorsement. I think that's an absolute endorsement. I love it. It's about time they got some coaches in there with some cannolis. How you doing? C.J. Stroud made Jalen look like a bad investment. You think 25 wins in two years is a bad investment? I don't know. You got to remember that. 25 wins is a bad investment in an NFC championship. And three playoff appearances, three years. I don't know. How many quarterbacks have said they've been to the playoffs three years in a row? Look at me. I'm defending them. It's, I, I, again, I don't know about a bad investment yet, okay? Because the cap numbers on what the banker does it was great. The banker did a great job. He did.
did a great job. We got our guy Tone in here in a little bit here. Don't forget at 4.30, we're going to get our friend Jason Cole at 4.30, and we will have the Philly Godfather. I'll tell you what, man. I You, you know what? Rob is so good on sports take. But I, I tune in for my guy. So the only thing I'm going to sell before I get Tone in here, this is what some of you in here want. Here's your new bumper sticker. Nick Sirianni's back. How's that bumper sticker look on your car now? Would you put that bumper sticker on your car? I support my coach, Nick Sirianni. Would you put that bumper sticker on your car? Come on, Tone. I got a new, come on here, man. I got a bumper sticker for you. So you can put it on your wife's car and your car, your dad's car. Okay, because I know your dad loves Eagles too. <laughs> so you got a brand new bumper sticker. I support Nick Sirianni for 2024. Are you putting that on your car? Hell no. I don't. <laughs> the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I don't even believe in bumper stickers. You know, that's not even like whenever I see people with bumper stickers. You know, I'll put it this way: I'm not a fan of people um, showcasing their beliefs. Uh, like, okay, good. You know, to the you know to the world. I don't I don't believe in that. I believe my beliefs. My, I believe my beliefs are my beliefs for a reason. And do I have to put a bump sticker, you know, to tell the world, hey, this is how I feel about this issue. I don't believe in that. So you, you know, hate a MAGA hat? I hate MAGA hats. I hate bumper stickers. I hate I hate any kind of like flag. Political hate, political flags, yeah, political yeah, yeah, bumper just, stickers. I, I I I hate I hate Trump hats. I hate I hate Biden bumper stickers. I, I got it. I, get I hate it. all right. that stuff. You know, You're it's, right. it's, just, it's it's weird to personally to me, it's just weird. Like religion, even stuff. That's your own personal stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just don't believe in bumper stickers. You know what I mean? The furthest out, the furthest, the furthest out let somebody go really is if like they have a team, like a football team, and they got a little little sticker in their car. Okay, you're all right. How about you know, if they have an eagle flag on their um, antenna? <laughs> Do they have antennas on cars anymore? I don't even know. That's hilarious. But I mean, look, I'm cool with, <laughs> I'm, look, I'm, I'm I'm cool with that. The, the furthest thing I'm willing to go was with sports because sports mean nothing at the end of yeah. the day. Yep. They're meaningless. Right. But when you start getting into the, your religion and your politics and hey, uh, it's like, okay, all right, whatever. I don't really care about that. <laughs> so what do you make of the whole Vic Fangio and some of the guys with the Dolphins crying and bitching about it kind of makes me and how he was down there with them? You know what it reminds me of? It makes it reminds me of the Eric Bieniemy thing. And uh -huh. remember how when he first got the Washington, you had guys crying and moaning, yeah, he's <laughs> He's hard on us, man. What is what is wrong? He, he wants us to play hard. He wants us to show up. He wants us to give a damn about our jobs. Uh, yeah, no shit. So <laughs> a guy like Vic Fangio, and look, let's be honest. What was the one, what was the one crime held against the Miami Dolphins all year? People called them soft. Yeah. All year. They called them soft. And when they ever came across a real opponent, they got soft and they couldn't hang. That was that was the one knock on Miami all year. Right. Not their talent, not yep. you know, not their defense or not their coaching, that they were soft. And lo and behold, in the headlines, you hear rumors about guys not really 
warming up to Vic Fangio. He was hard on them. You know, he would he would randomly quiz them about certain things that he you know that you know that he's installing. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. He, I want you to be competent at your job. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I'm holding you accountable. I'm sorry that I'm not holding your hand. So I'm not buying any of that. I don't really care. In my in my mind, if I, I want that to be true, actually, I want it to be true. That he was digging, he he was digging in y'all ass. I want that to be a fact. I, me why. too, man. I mean, like you said, needs that. Philadelphia it's, needs that right now, especially on the defensive side. Absolutely. By the way, Slagger, I like your mentality about having a flag on your car because you had New York plates and you were at Philly games. That completely <laughs> is a pass, and you get a library hall pass for that one because if you have New York plates at Lincoln Financial in the parking lot. You might get your ass kicked, or there could be a couple flat tires. So I am giving you kudos and a pass on that. Now, <laughs> I want to go around the league a little bit here. Oh, wait, first, first and foremost. Yes. Um, the offensive coordinator, would you have a problem with Cliff Kingsbury? I think you asked me this before, and um yeah, but you don't like him because he lives in the mountains of Arizona. No, no this, guy, just, this, just, this guy's just, got a palatial house out there. He just seems like look. All right, I, all right. I'll say what I said to Rob earlier, right? Because he brought it up again. I'll say this. I think he's going to get that job. If <laughs> I'll say this, if they hire, I'm all about bringing in the best possible people to get the best out of these players. Now, do I got to like you? No. Do I gotta agree with you? No. Do I gotta like your face? No, all that kind of stuff. But 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 do you get the most out of this player? Can you maximize Jalen Hurts' skill set? If that's the case, then I then look, I'll roll with it. I don't have to like Cliff Kingsbury, but if he can do the job at a high level, I'll roll with it. That's where I'm at with it. But I don't trust something about Cliff Kingsbury, I do not trust. It's slick. It's something up. He just looks slick. Slick. It's his eyes. I don't know. It's something about him. Do you ever just look at somebody and say, ah? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. no. He, I don't know about he, him. He, he personifies that, but I was kind of shocked that Lincoln Riley hired him in Los Angeles because he's on the hot seat there, he's man. Been get, he's been getting jobs left and right, Cliff Kingsbury. So yeah. clearly he knows the game on some level. Chicago interviewed him. Atlanta interviewed him. There's a bunch of people that have interviewed him for the offensive coordinating job and being an OC. And so, I'm thinking. So what is it I'm not seeing then, Dan? Like, say, like, Sills, like, let's be honest. Okay. What am I not seeing about Cliff Kingsbury? Can somebody what in the you, chat help me out? What you're tying in is winning. That could be okay. it. That could be it. He, you're tying winning. He didn't win at Texas Tech. He won marginally at Arizona. But one thing that he did do, hey, Kyler Murray got $40 million somehow. Yeah. He got they, forty million somehow, dude. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's true. Patrick Mahomes was drafted in the first round somehow. Patrick Mahomes is the face of the league now, and that guy developed him. So I mean, they're, we're just looking at winning here, and if we're if we're talking about a head coach tone, see, doesn't that cloud the judgment on when you're talking about certain coordinators when you go like this? That guy's not a good coach. And you're like, no. This like when you're looking at this guy, Joe Barry, as a linebacker coach. I happen to know Joe very well. As a coordinator, eh, you know, I don't know there. But I'll tell you what. He coached Eric Brooks in Tampa. 
And he wow. he worked with Monty Kiffin. And you know who else he worked with? Raheem Morris. I mean, those guys were all on that coaching staff in Tampa. That Get this. You know that Monty Kiffin coaching staff? You know who it had produced? Herm Edwards, Mike Tomlin, Raheem Morris, uh, Lovey Smith. It produced all those guys off that coaching staff. That couldn't have been that bad a staff, dude. Won a Super Bowl, too. Yeah. I mean, Mike Tomlin came off that Buck staff. That's true. That's true. Look, look I'm, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If, Clean, if Cliff Kingsbury does get a job, I'm willing to see it play out. I'm willing to see it. I think he's talented. He, on some level, he has to be. He keeps getting jobs. Um, he keeps getting massive interviews. He must be good at something. Things. Here's a deal and, and, remember, he's and, got and a lot also, of money coming to him. That's true. And also, and also, I mean, the Arizona Cardinals organization. How can okay. I? It's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of hard. A beautiful way to look at. That's why when you look at Frank, okay, Ursang and Tepper. I mean, come on, guys. Let's you know, you're not working for the best bosses on the planet. You know what I'm saying? You're not exactly. working for the best people. That's true. That's true. And um, you know, if you if, if if I look at his if I look at his coaching resume right now, um, here it is. So his record, Cliff Kingsbury. It was 13 and 16, supposedly, with um with Mahomes at tech. So um with Arizona, uh he has a 28 and 37 record, 28 37 and one. His best season was when he went eleven and six in twenty twenty one. Then they start out like eleven and zero that year. Yeah, actually, that was that year. They started off like it's kind of it's kind of similar to what happened to the Eagles. They started yeah, off that's like exactly right. ten and one, eleven and zero, and then they just fell off a cliff. That's that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, um, you look, see, Brian Johnson's getting interviewed for the Bucks OC job. He's getting a yeah yeah he's getting a lot. Also, here's some here's some interesting numbers. For um, Cliff Kingsbury's Arizona team, especially on the offensive side. So in his best year there, which was 2021, um, they were ranked top 10. They were ranked top 10 in yards. They were ranked 11th in points. Um, they, were, they were ranked fourth in giveaways, which is, which is good. They were... They, they had a top 10 Russian offense. With uh, who? I think they, it was kind of there in 2021. I think so. I can't remember. I, and, I, and maybe so was DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. They had a top 10, uh, top 10 passing offense, top 10 in yards, top 12 in passing touchdowns. Yeah, but their um, personnel wasn't that hot, man. They, they, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't, um, and I think that was when they tried to. Didn't AJ Green play there for like a year or two to try yeah, to? Yeah, he did. So he they did. really didn't have. They really, they really didn't have. Yeah. No, and he still managed to have that team top ten in most categories on offense. So imagine if he had five or six, or like you said, potentially nine Pro Bowlers. What well, do you think that he would do on moving the sticks with? And, and by the way, he's an RPO guy. I'm slowly talking myself into it, so. I'm will, I'm willing to see it happen. Like so you I, hate his hair slick back. You think this guy's all like <laughs> he just has he he just has a face that I don't trust. <laughs> I don't know, man. Listen, don't it's it's not it's not something that's that I should even this guy build looks a house like George on. Clooney to you, and you don't like George. <laughs> you must not like George Clooney. This guy looks like George Clooney Sills. I don't want my coordinators looking like George Clooney. I want him looking like Popeye Vic Fangio. 
Yeah, I want to be just, a little rougher. He just, yeah, yeah, he just looks like he walks around with a pair of dice in his pocket. Like he just <laughs> <laughs> uh, dice in his pocket. Okay, here, let me ask you another one here. So I hear this comment, and I heard it on radio, our mm. network, everywhere actually. Six sixty-seven, thirty-four, seventeen. This guy, man. I, Three straight years of playoffs. And Doug Peterson's win percentage in Philly was 531. Do you know Chip Kelly had a better win percentage than Chip than Doug did? Win percentages. Yeah. Uh, five, wait, he had a higher 553 to 531. Chip won more outside right. of the Super Bowl than what Doug did. Listen. No, no, no. Hey, hey, wait. No, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. I can have I can have a coach that has a 400 win percentage. And guess what? If he has three Super Bowls on his resume, you think I give a damn? Nope. Hell no. Do though, because 667. Yeah, okay. Hey, 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 wait. I got one better for you. Rich Kotai, 563, had a higher win percentage than Vermeil, Doug Peterson. And almost comparable with Andy Reid. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> hey, well, wait, six sixty-seven. If did you notice in that press conference, that was the one thing he felt. That was the only reason he felt like he should bring back Nick Sirianni. He kept saying, "Well, you know, when a coach does this, that, and the third, you know, it's not easy to find. So you got to, you, you got, you got to double down on that." He he didn't he didn't talk anything else about Nick. It was just the win percentage. How Which, can a coach who won 11 games and been to three playoffs be fighting for his job if he's so good a coach? It's so simple to, you know, you know when you watch the Liars Club there on Wednesday morning and you're watching that and you're going like this, well, why are we talking about him then if he's so gifted? I agree. We're not talking about a four-win guy. I get it. I totally get it. It's like, you know, when he said he had to reprove himself, I was like, <laughs> I was like, "Word!" No, you reprove your you reprove yourself when you win four games. Look, I would look. I would even. I would have felt okay if he even would have said, "Look, this is the NFL. You got to prove it every single year." And this year, we didn't prove anything, so we got to come back to the drawing board and prove that we're still one of the best teams in the league. Boom! If he would have said that, I'd be like, "Okay, all right, I can get behind that." Hey, but, hey, uh, but, but one more for you. Yeah, talking about I Chip Kelly's got a better win percentage than Buddy Ryan. Oh wait, six. I'm told six sixty seven matters. I mean, it matters. I mean, it matters maybe in those contract negotiations, but it don't matter to it. Don't matter to me when you when you get bumped in the first round by the Buccaneers, who who, who don't even belong in the playoffs, really. Give but. me one and seven. Come on, man. Come on. Hey, what's okay? Uh, okay, what's more real? That ten and one record or the one and seven record? The one and seven. All right. That's who you are. That's who they really were. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. You I'm a fan. Let's, let's, call, let's call it what it is. I so that's 67 is overrated. Yes, it has to be. Yes. You know what? How about this? That 67 is more of a reflection on Jalen Hurts than it is on Nick Sirianni. It's a more of a reflection on the roster than, yeah. than, 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 than him. Actually, to even Howie, it's more of a reflection. Which is why, they, which is why a guy like Harry Roseman has the balls to do the things he does. Because... By his estimation, That's I his made work. you. I made you. Yeah. By his estimation, he'll never say that, but I know he believes that. That's why he fired Doug. 
He believes he made him. Lo, lo and behold, Doug is <laughs> coaching his ass off in Jacksonville. So, look. Hey, right here, right here. Um, Remember something, Nick. Nick Siri Liar, just kiss the ring. I'm the Pope. You're the dude, the Cardinal. I'll send the smoke out whether or not I think you should get your job or not. We'll go from there. <laughs> That's how we're going to do this from if, now on. If, if the groundhog sees his shadow, you yeah. keep your job. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing for sure there, that's being evident that I think. When I'm hearing some of these coaches that are interviewing, these position coaches, Tone, that guy has no authority. Oh, by the way, the comparing of Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh to Nick Sirianni, when you hear people saying that, what do those guys do? I don't really those roll guys with that. have complete autonomy of their team yeah, and I don't, who they hire as coaches. Yeah, I don't fully subscribe to the idea that Nick Sirianni's in that vein at all. I don't subscribe to that. Um, me personally, those guys have built up so much equity. They're in the league of their own. I like I perfectly I honestly don't feel comfortable comparing him to those guys. Um, as of right now, Nick Sirianni is closer to Jason Garrett than he is um anybody else. Like he's more closer to that. Let's be honest about it. <laughs> he's more closer to Jason Garrett. Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't uh yeah, he's he's that's who he is. If you look at his record, I mean Jason Garrett won a lot of games in nine years. I think it was nine years in Dallas. I think he won 80 some games there, man. I mean, he he won a, he he's got a really I think he's like 80. Three and twenty-seven. Listen to this, Jason Garrett's record. Jason Garrett's record uh, with the Cowboys as the head coach from twenty ten to twenty nineteen is eighty-five and sixty-seven. Yep. There you go. He, he has a fifty-five. He has a point five five nine win percentage, but he's a great coach. Okay. Wait. So wait. 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 To go into that now, because listen, here's the thing, right? The longer niggas they had coach, fifty-nine. Yeah. Okay, that means that Rich Kotai is a better coach and that Chip Kelly's just as good a coach and he's a better coach than Doug Peterson. Here's the thing. The longer <laughs> Nick coaches, the more that number is going to level out. Trust oh, me. Oh, yeah. Watch it drop to the 500s. Yeah, because he's going five games next year. I hope not. You know, are you prepared <laughs> for that? That's a good question. Am I prepared for this Philadelphia Eagles team? Like, what are you prepared – we know that's a good, okay, that's a good let's question. Let's move forward. What I like are you where you're going with this. for it for next year. I think I'm I think I'm prepared. I'm prepared to make the playoffs. I'm prepared to make the playoffs. But I can't the only say anything. The reason you make the playoffs is because I can't say anything more or less than of that. the quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback, the, the quarterback, the offensive line, you know, the, the you know, the, you know, the skill position. What if Kelsey and leaves? That 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 changes everything. That changes everything. Let's be frank about it. But um, overall, like you said, I'm preparing for a playoff berth. I can't say anything more or less than that. So you're preparing for what happened to this year. Because this year you were preparing for a Super Bowl appearance. Now right. you're, you've lowered your standards to let's hope we make the playoffs, which means you won't. Well, you know, my standard. You got to set is, your standards a little higher, homie. Well, listen, my standard is always Super Bowl. That's my standard. That's my personal standard. Okay. But 
what do I what do I really if I'm being realistic? See, my standard doesn't always coincide with realism. So, uh, so there's two sides of your brain here, right? Yeah, you're fighting course. every day. Hey, listen, we're complex, I hear you. We're complex humans, right? We're you know we're battling each and every day to fight the you know the inner whatever the inner workings. Yeah. I you know I think I think this team is a playoff team. I can't say anything more than that. Do I prefer? Am I super? Am I a Super Bowl or bus guy? Yeah, I am. I'm about. I'm a bottom line guy. But as of right now, they got so much to do on that defensive side. How can I say definitively that? Oh yeah, this team can compete for a Super Bowl. Like what? What world am I living in? If I believe that, if I say that, are you going to be better than San Francisco next year? No. Are you going to be better than the Lions? I can't guarantee that, so I'm going to say no. How about the Packers? Yes. Yes. I think think it will be better than the Packers. Okay. How about the Rams? Yes. So you think you'll be the third best team in the NFC this coming season? I believe the top four teams in the conference are going to be – after Niners. getting boat raced by the Bucks, yeah, yeah, you know, ass ass weapons happen. They happen, but um, I are do you believe better than the Cowboys. Are we better than the Cowboys today? No, I don't think so. So you're fourth. Yeah, basically. Okay, so that puts you still in the five hole as a wild card. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so you're kind of. On 11 went in your opinion, you're like either you're between nine and 11 wins this coming season. If I'm trying to remember who they play, um, they play because the schedule came out, but not that I saw it. I'm trying to remember who they play. I think the Jags are on that thing. Um, let's see if I can get it up for us here. I, I think the Jags are on that. I think the Packers are on that thing too. All right, here we go. Yeah, read me this. Let me. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a little, All just right, to have go. a shits and giggles here. Okay, here we go. Let's do it. Okay. So. <clears throat> oh, good. Here we go. All right. So we have obviously wash obviously Washington twice. Okay. So, you think you split or do you take both? Oh. Shit. They don't even have a coach, so I'm giving you both. Yeah, they don't have a coach, and I don't. I don't know if they're sold on Sam Howe either. So. Okay. Uh, I'm taking both of those games. How about Joe um, Burrow? At Cincinnati. I don't I like that as an L. I, I don't like the Eagles in that situation. So I, th- I got that as an L. At Baltimore, <laughs> I got that as an L. Um let's just do the Cowboys a split. Cowboys a split. Okay, okay. Cowboys split. So I got I got at Bengals at Baltimore. Well, at Cincinnati, at Baltimore. I so got right that now we're three L. and three. Right now we're three and three, and again, obviously, you guys, we don't know when this is going to happen. But right, 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 right. Um, Saints, I think you win that. I think we beat the Saints. So that's what that's uh four, four and three. That's four and three. Correct. Yeah. Giants, they're that's still five. a shit. Right. Like, so well, that's five we and three. The Cowboys already. We got under the Giants down here. Okay, hold do on. Do you wait. think you take both of those Giant games? Yeah, I think so. I do too. That's six so. now. So. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, I got us losing two Bengals. You're six Ravens. and three right now. Yes, yeah, six and three, exactly. Six and three. Okay. Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons, you win that. I've been sort of seven and three. Carolina, 
beat them. It's eight, eight and three. Them. Cleveland at Cleveland in Philadelphia. And still, I until I see what Deshaun Watson looks like, I'm going to give you that. So that's nine and three. Steelers ten and three. I got us beating them at Tampa Bay. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Tampa, Tampa Bay is like Jalen Hurts kryptonite. <laughs> Tank team uh, back. I'm gonna put that as an L. Uh yeah, why not? Rams. Rams. I got that as a win. So what okay. is that? Uh 11 you think you beat the Packers? I, you know what? That's a push. But we're at home, so I say us. We're at home. I say us. Jacksonville at home. Jacksonville at home. I think we win that game. So you got 13 wins here, guy. Oh, I guess I do. Because I got and four. You, I you're got, expecting huh, Nick Sirianni that, to coach the team back to prominence. You know what's so funny? Basically, home field advantage in the NFC playoffs and the NFC East. That's what you're predicting. Wow, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. You know, you know, because when you go through the schedule like that, you don't realize how good or bad you think a team is until you go through it. And then you well, realize, wait a minute. huh? Well, here's something you got to remember now. I don't think they're winning 13 games next year. Okay. Wait a minute. Now, we're back to where we were at 10-1. and Here we go now, Tone. You look at that and assume you're going to beat the Packers when you couldn't beat the Giants. No, no. you know what? I don't don't assume that. I I think that's a – I really am, like, kind of – Green Bay is a good team, clearly. You're assuming you're going to beat the Rams when you couldn't beat Seattle. Well, Well, I know we beat the Rams before. So you beat the Bucks before. That's true. And they boat raced you. Right. But remember, I got us losing to the Bucks next year as well. So you know what I mean? I'm trying to I'm trying to be trying to be balanced here. Sure. Trying to be balanced. I got you on the record here as 13 and 4. Well, don't lock me in on that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I don't even know. I don't even know when they're playing these people. (laughs) And remember, you got Nick Siri Liar as your coach. I don't even know when they're playing these people. So oh, 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 it matters. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, right. t- listen, how it lay- how it lays out matters. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it matters a little bit. It does. It does. Um, the roadmap, the roadmap matters. But, but, but just that face value. Um, 13 think, and 4, baby. Home field advantage in the NFC title game, NFC East champions. Nah, Nick gets a contract extension because that's <clears throat> gonna be the second to last year on his deal. And you are going back with another year. With another contract extension with Nick Siri Liar. Uh, I don't like the way you framed all that. So yeah, I, I don't think they're winning thirteen. Games I took next your year. own picks. You were thir- you said they're thirteen and four. I mean, yeah, I didn't mean to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's funny though because I'm looking at it now and I'm like, okay, this schedule because okay, they had the NFC South this year and they had the AFC North. Those are the two main divisions they're going to be facing. The AFC North matchups are going to be hard. I don't, you know, even that Pittsburgh game is not going to just be a, a gimme. Put that schedule um, up one more time. I'm going to show you. you. Then, then let's do it this way. Okay. Okay. So at face value, you, you, and I don't think you're wrong here. Start at the beginning here. Okay. okay. Here we are. This is the beginning. How do you think that defense is going to do versus a guy who threw for 750 yards versus you? And Sam Howe, Washington. Um, in the, both those games, he threw for a career high. Did he throw for 400 yards in one of them? 
Yeah, something like that. 398, 97. 398, like, okay. 400. I'll say that. Okay, I, I, I say you still win both those games. How do you think your um your Joe Burrow's gonna do against your um I personally believe Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson is gonna torch the Eagles defense next year. Personally. How do you think Dak's gonna do? I mean, we said split. So I okay, think fair I, enough. I, I, fair yeah, enough. yeah, yeah. I th- I think I think Dak is gonna do Dak things. You know, he okay. he, he plays the well Giants there. with Tommy DeVito and Tyrod Taylor beat you in that defense. Right. But you're gonna make a reclamation project in the offseason. And that's going to rectify that and eradicate that, right? I heard you and Rob saying you think the defense will be turned around this year. No, so okay, so this is what I said. I said no because I knew you. I, I knew you were going to do that. So what I what I said was I said because they were so bad this year, they 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 can't they can't go anywhere else. They were the worst defense in my opinion. They were the worst defense in the NFL. They can't go anywhere else, Dan. They can't get any lower than where they were. So it has to improve. Um, and then on top of that, I said, at bare minimum, what works for me, if you give me a top seven run defense and a top 12 pass defense, I can work with everything else. Because in my opinion, that's playoff level. De- that's a playoff level defense. If you can become a playoff level defense, if you can just be ranked in the top half of the league in, 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 in everything. I can I can work with that because that tells me you're trending upward. But again, they were so bad, they they turning it around is the only way to go. What happens when you run into a dead end, Dan? You got to make a U turn. <laughs> okay. So well, hey, no, no, I you they, know I just they've hit rock bottom. They've hit rock bottom. They, they can so only you're, you're, go. So you're saying, here. listen, there's no way else but up. Yes, exactly. So Vic Fangio is the savior. Savior is such a loaded word. <laughs> Savior is such. I love what you do. You're you're a talented guy. You're you're a talented dude. I I see why Jacob pays you the big bucks. You're a ta- <laughs> you're a talented guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, get, man. That, get that listen, schedule out of there. I got another one. Hey, for hey, you. hey, live chat. Y'all, y'all heard what he said? He said, "Is he the savior?" That was good. That was well. Good. No, I mean. I heard, you know, conversations on one of my favorite shows, Sports Take, that the defense is going to be turned around and that there must be some savior coming in. It must be Bud Carson or, you know, Adi Kiffin or Jim Johnson that's going to be coming into the Eagle defense and it's going to, like, change the fortunes around and, like, find players. I just can't wait to see it. (laughs) Who are you telling? I can't wait to see it. I, I, dude, would you not agree the Eagles are more entertaining now than they were during the year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, last week, you know, when everything was kind of coming to a head, I was saying, look, as as uncomfortable as all this may be for an Eagles fan, in all reality, all this shit is entertaining. <laughs> it's all entertaining. It's it's a one, it's great to talk about. It's great, it's great uh content to really think about and just work through and have real conversations when you're not being emotional. You know what I mean? It's 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 really the Eagles are truly one of the most fascinating case studies in the NFL. If you really take the time, really just yeah. watch how they do business. You know, and you know what's what's great about them is that people say that I gaslight the Eagle fan base gaslights everything. Howie Roseman gaslights us. Like yeah, the <laughs> you know, whole thing is come on, just man. Like, marvelous. 
really Zach Cunningham had Zach Cunningham had a great year and um Nicobe Dean you're, he he he's he's a he's great the future. player. Like that's gaslighting at its finest. You got a bunch of great players on defense and a bunch of young core guys and you're like no you don't. Ga- that's gaslighting at its finest. You mean it's a- they said they gaslighted at, you know they threw fire on everything they did wrong. What do you think was the worst thing that they could have said or that they did say? What do you think was the one thing that said okay like this team is what was Next the one thing? Back as head okay, coach. The, okay, that was the one thing that rubbed you the wrong way the most. That that's the one thing that, in my opinion, bringing Nick back because he had confidence in him was the worst thing they said because that's the least thing they had in him, or they mm. wouldn't be going through all these changes. Bingo, bingo. But they don't realize because the whole see, interview and the whole press conference stems off of that. All the other stuff stems off of the fact that they're lying to you about the confidence they have in him because they don't have confidence in him or they wouldn't be bringing all these experienced coaches now in. How come they didn't do that after they after they lost the Super Bowl by three points? See, exactly. to me, this is being done backwards. You should have did all of you, you know what You know what's crazy, Tone, is that now they're in a sense of urgency. The, the front office is in a sense of urgency. They should have been in a sense of urgency when they left Arizona. Not in the sense of being comfort. I agree. And here's the thing, right? Last year, you know, you know, after they lost that Super Bowl, right? They went inexperienced at OC and DC. And now all of a sudden they're going experienced. That tells me Nick had a Nick had a larger hand in setting up that office, setting up that staff coming off the Super Bowl year rather than now. Because Clearly, they're taking something away from him going into the 2024 season. He, he whatever they're taking away from him, he had coming into the 2023 season. So he had to have had a stronger hand in picking um, Sean Desai, or um, you know, maybe Brian Johnson was kind of like the you know Brian Johnson was the okay, I'll let you pick your DC, but I got to pick, but you got to have Brian Johnson. Maybe they they negotiated something in that regard. I think now there's no room for negotiation. Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, they're picking your staff, and you just got to roll with it. I think I think they feel like they gave him. I, I, I believe in their mind, they believe they gave him power going into the twenty twenty three season, and he did not produce with that power. So they're taking it away from. Him. I that's think that's right. how the banker now has yeah. more power again. Yep, and uh, the doorman, you know, and the guy who like goes around and he's kind of like, you ever gone to a strip club? There's a thing called the house mom. He's kind of like the house mom. He's going to take care of the offense, the defense, the special teams. He's going to be kind of one of them kind of guys. Agreed. I just, you know, hey, all right, let me let me, let me, me go here with you. Before we get Jason Cole at the bottom of the hour, I want to get to a couple of these things here with you. I want to revisit something. I asked you, I think yesterday, and I'm going to ask you again. Would you entertain trading A.J. Brown? No. Not right, not yet. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. He's entirely too poor to help build your defense like Kansas City did. You see, Kansas City had leeway can to do you that. Get two ones for him. Can you get two ones for him. You can get two ones for AJ Brown today. Okay, today, so whatever that, whatever so that. Tyre- going to this draft with four ones. Okay, Tyreek Hill. Um, Three what, ones. What, what did Kansas City give a Tyreek Hill? They got two ones. You mean to tell me AJ Brown can't command two ones right now? Okay. Not you, not you. But like, I don't know. Oh, I do, I yeah. do, and I like, think they would be significant because what you do is go to shitty teams, 
like maybe even Jacksonville, or you go to a team like the Jets, you do something like that that has high-quality picks, you could be in that top 10 again. I'm just not there you yet. You go into the draft with three ones to build your defense. I, I feel and you. Cornerbacks, linebackers, edge rushing depth. Don't you think it's you should be thinking about building the unit instead of building one side of the ball? I hear you. I totally hear what you're saying. And if you Man. believe in Jalen Hurts that much, which you did because your actions on giving him 50, you have to have confidence that that guy could play without him. AJ Burns is so good, Dan. Tyreek so Hill is so good. But here, but, but but here's the thing: they managed to get something. All right, I'll put it to you this way. I believe they were so comfortable moving on from Tyreek Hill because they already won with him. They got the Super Bowl. They you know they won with him. So at that I point, they, they had more confidence in Mahomes than the Eagles have in Jalen. Because to me, I think that went into. I think. I mean, obviously, I, I think that again, goes that, into it too. That would be anywhere. That's not just being. Hey, would right. you have more more faith in uh, Josh Allen, or would you have more faith in Mahomes? Okay, you know, we just saw what happened here, Mahomes. Right. So right. I don't think that's just like a a, a, a dog on hurts. But what I do think is, how he needs as many quality picks as possible to land on one. You got to land on finally a corner a linebacker, you've got to land on something here that's going to be a factor on that side of the ball. So I'm, I, I totally, I totally Three feel one. where you're going. I totally Three feel you, but. I get, I get two first-rounders and a third. I, I feel you. AJ, you're not doing that. I, you put me in a bind here. You put me What's in a bind here. What's more important, are you rebuilding the defense? Or getting AJ's receptions and his targets. Because what happened this year? He had a career year again. You lost. You lost six or seven. Where are you going with that? And then, and then when you see Devontae do what he did in that playoff game, you're saying to yourself, "Okay, do I really have to?" Remember, if I'm going to make a move like that, I want a king's. Let me ask. Let me ask you this. To your point, right? Do you trust Harry Roseman to do the right thing with those picks? Okay, well, then that goes back to the owner saying that, okay, in theory, it's a good, it's a good, hey, two ones and a three for AJ. That's a great deal. Who's making the picks? Howie. Okay, then I'm not sure it is. That's but where Dan, I'm at with I it. I got a lot of work to do over there, and here's something else you have to put in that we're not doing. You have $20 million in cap space. Most of that money is going to be allocated towards your draft. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and also, I think with AJ, they st he still got some guaranteed money left. So it's. <sighs> you drive a hard bargain because, I, 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 in theory, your mindset is not off at all, right? One sacrifice for the betterment of a whole unit. I. You're in theory, you're not wrong. I'm looking at building the roster. I know, and and again, your mindset is spot on because that's what the Eagles need. The Eagles need a better roster. Period. This comes down to faith and hurts. And you know what? When you put it that way, me going this hard for AJ would imply my faith and hurts isn't as high as I think. 
And that's not something I'm ready to admit. So here's what you have with places like Dallas, Miami, and to some extent, Philly. They their offenses go through CD, Tyreek, and AJ. Well, I don't think you're going very far with that. Your 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 offense has to go through your quarterback. Mm-hmm. It can't go through one guy. I'll put it to you this way. I need to see. I need to see Jalen Hurts get back on track first. Jalen Hurts gets back on track. AJ gives you another one of those 1,300, 1,400-yard years. I'm willing to move him then. So next year? Because I still think you'll get two for him. Next offseason, talk to me. Next offseason, I think I'll entertain it. I think I would. Because Because do you not agree trading away? Because if the Chiefs can trade Tyreek Hill – why can't like you think that was a smart move for them? Absolutely. Look where they are. They want and they've won a Super Bowl going for another one. Now, granted, has it been a bumpy ride? Yeah. Yes. Well, this but, would be a bumpy ride but, too. But it's the NFL. But if you and still got to the conference title game, does it matter? No, it doesn't. Because let's be honest, everybody sold their Kansas City stock. And all yeah, of a sudden, okay, look- get this. Guess what they did? They sold hosting home field advantage this year for getting a Super Bowl, losing Tyreek Hill, having to go through a tougher route, but yet opening and keeping the window open for Mahomes' Super Bowl window for another three years, four years, because they improved the defense so much. They were more, Brett Veach was more, the general manager, was more about building that roster around. His foresight was tremendous. His He wanted to build that roster around Mahomes, not one side of the ball. I think the Eagles have built one side of the ball around Jalen. Well, dude, at the end of the day, you have all those pro bowlers that I bring up, mm-hmm. and you still lost six or seven. Right. What did you get out of it? I get what, it. You got Jeffrey Lurie what he wanted? Explosion plays, high turnovers, high drama, and bounced in the opening round. Actually, think about it, Tone. Was the 2021 season more productive than the 2023 season as a team? And you only won nine games that year. It's funny. I look back on that 21 season. I think that season was a better year. You had a better stretch run. You ended the season on a high note. Mm-hmm. You didn't really play well against, well, it was Brady. They won right. a Super Bowl that year. I mean, you're not talking about losing to Bob Brady. Right. You're talking about losing to a team that won the Super Bowl eventually. Yeah, yeah actually, they won the Super Bowl the year prior. That year, the Rams won. Oh, that's but- right. They, but, lost, but, they lost to the Rams they in lost the title to the Rams. game or divisional uh, game? Divisional game. Divisional game. Okay. Also in the division. But still, regardless, Brady was still hot. Like, the, the Buccaneers team was still hot. They were they were good. You know they what I'm saying? Good. So, yeah, um, look, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think I think in theory, you're, you you make a lot of sense. In, you make the most sense in the world. Because right now, right now they're, they're offense heavy. And their and their defense is very very weak, and they need a lot. They need a lot of equity. They need a lot of pieces on that defense. You've heard me say this to you, Tone, that one of the things that made the Patriots so good was that they made the tough cuts or the tough trades when they had guys with a lot of juice in the tank, Mm -hmm. and they moved the Richard Seymours, or they moved the Darrell Rivas's, or they moved the Randy Mosses, or they moved all of those pieces of really good players, and you know what they got back. In return, draft choices, equity, and it kept the the Brady 
think about what they had. Wasn't there really like two Super Bowl runs in Brady's era up there for 19 years? They won a ton of Super Bowls early. Then there was like a 10-year gap in the middle there. Mm -hmm. Then there was another year where they had built the roster back up around him again because they opened up and kept his window open by retooling around him by making the tough moves. Exactly. That's what this is about. Okay? You see, that's why the Eagles can't do this, and that Jeff Kerr comic comes back to roost. And it's this. The sustained success is never going to be there if you're building one side of the ball up. Yeah, in order to sustain success, you got to make tough decisions, period. And you've got to make moves that balance your roster, not one side of the ball. Look at all of your stars and all of your monies on one side. Think about this. Green Bay traded Devontae Adams, and look how they and look where they are. Completely another great one I hadn't thought of. Adams is now dying in Vegas. And they're Jordan Love with young players and the retooling of the defense. They're now striving and moving forward without get this. They moved off of Aaron Rodgers because they got draft choices back from the Jets and they moved off of Devontae Smith. Two all pros, four times MVP, a Super Bowl champion, and they're better. The Look Packers at are Seattle. Be they yeah. moved off of Russell Wilson. I thought they were going to be in purgatory for 10 years. They've been in the playoffs and they've been a winning team every year since Russell Wilson has been gone. And Russell Wilson has had losing seasons every year he's since he's been gone. You know, yeah, yeah. I think um, it, here's the thing, right? That decision is made easier because you got a guy like Devontae Smith right there just waiting, just waiting. Clearly, clearly he wants the opportunity to you be. You think he's a one? Do I think, do I think Devontae's a one? Mm-hmm. He proved he was a one in that playoff game. Okay. Flat out. In my opinion, I always thought he was a one. I just felt like, you know, Jalen Hurts, like at the time. So in his rookie year, I personally felt like he was a one, but I knew Jalen Hurts still had a lot of improvement to do at that time. And they also didn't throw the ball nowhere near as much as they do now. Can so, I what but, can I tell you what I think they need for him? If they make him the one and they move AJ and they get the commodity and the assets, I would want them to go into the draft, or maybe not into free agent, because Howie's not very good at mm-hmm. drafting wide receivers. Devontae's probably his best draft pick. I would want a veteran guy that's out there. Can you imagine if what would you well, what would you think of this? T. Higgins and Devontae Smith as your wide receivers and Dallas Goddard. And you'd be able to spread the ball around with those two guys. No, I would like that. The thing is, T. Higgins is um he's in a contract year, I think, and I think he's looking to get twenty plus million. So you'll kind of be back in square one with. He ain't um, getting twenty million being a two. Let me see. There's no chance. Jamar Chase is the one on that team. No, no, I know that. Trust me, believe I know that. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, he could he could bark all that he wants. He ain't getting that. He's going to get around fourteen million, but he ain't getting twenty five. So as of right now, let's look at his market value right now. So, well, first of all. His stats in 2023. Now it's oh, a little bit he, skewed because he, of the he, shitty quarterback play they had in there. No, and also he got hurt. He only played 12 games. Okay. So great. Through 12, through, through 12, so actually, his numbers this past year it, it gives you leverage. He through 12 games played, he gave you 656 yards. Great. Five touchdowns. Here's 14. And, and 42 catches. Here's 14. As of right now, his mark you. As of right now, his um his annual his his average annual salary market value is eighteen point six million per year. He's not getting that. He ain't getting that. He he's likely to get fifteen. 
something like that. Or 16. Something like that. Between 12 and f- 12 and 15, sure. You and might get be this. Get this. That's 10 million cheaper than you're paying. And you get younger. And, he, and he's a little and younger. younger. And you're developing the, the guy you drafted. You look, you, you, you're the more we talk about this and we and we really iron it out. And what you're doing is you're restarting your to, defense on the fly at the same time. And what you're doing is creating balance in your offensive approach and in your offensive signal calling. So basically what you're saying is take the take the step back to take three forward. That's what the Chiefs did. I think I think because this defense is so far out of the so far in the weeds, they're going to cap money. They're yes, they're going to have to make a tough decision over the next two years. And it's going to be and it's going to be one that the fan base isn't going to like at first, but they're going to have to sell them on it. And it might have something to do with either either AJ Brown or Hassan Reddick. Because I believe, because you know, Hassan Reddick is entering a contract year. If they don't re-up him, I think they trade him. I actually what, think they're going to let him play through the contract and not re, not offer him, and just let him walk. You think you think he'll he, be thirty then? You think he'll hold out? Hold out. His contract will be up. He'll be a he'll be a free agent because it'll be. Here's what I would get out of that. Well, well, I mean, hold, well, I mean, hold out going into this this final oh, year. Oh, this year holding out. Well, that would be counterproductive to him because if he's going into his final year, he would want to showcase his talents for the other 31 teams. Okay. So him holding out would send a message that he thinks this is the last contract that he's going to get. Me, Mm. I'd be thinking this. Let me go out here and get another 18 sacks because if I get another 18 sacks, the Eagles are going to come ponying up for more money. It's going to cost them more in the end, and I'm going to be a $20 million guy in the open market when it comes to pass rushing, or if this happens, the guy comes in and has a six, seven sack year, the Eagles can come in and parachute in and offer him less money because he's older, less production, but yet you still want him. So to me, that's how I would gamble with that. And at the end of the day, his roster spot will mean a lot for me. And then that puts Howie on the line for Nolan Smith. Is Nolan Smith the guy or not? Or did you mess that up too? Mm. So that's how you're you're they're thinking all of this. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they've already considered, you know, what the options are surrounding AJ Brown. I'm pretty sure they've already considered Hassan's that. Not, Hassan's not gonna he's not gonna sit out. He made he you know what he'll do? He'll bitch and bellyache during OTAs and minicamp. Right. He might not show up for a couple of those, but those won't really care about that anyway. But right. they might because of the new DC. Right. Okay, and that could create some bad will. However, if he's smart and his agent's telling him, hey, 31 other teams, you go out there and get another double-digit sack, it'll be your fifth year in a row. Somebody's going to come calling and knock on you, and there's going to be a paycheck in your mailbox that's going to have a $20 million number on it. Now, what if he says, well, look, I gave you four years in a row, double-digit sacks, three different organizations. You think one more You think one more year is going to prove anything else? What if he says that? You played on a 26th-ranked team in the – the National Football League. Your impact this last year was marginal at best. Mm, okay. okay. That's that when was, you have those that's a good counter. arbitration that's a good... conversations where you start telling the player, what was your impact again? I must that's, have missed that in the last eight games. That's a, well, that's a guy, very solid counter. Your guy, your guy didn't put me in a position to succeed. Okay, fair enough. So you want me to pay 
because we didn't have proper coaches that you couldn't play in and you couldn't perform with, and you think that's our fault, well, then you may not be the guy that we want to invest $20 million in. Exactly, because when you get in that upper echelon of contract. Jalen 50 to write the ship too with shitty coaching. Exactly, exactly. When you when you get to a certain level of income, they're paying you outside of the scheme. <laughs> they want you to produce for scheme. For, for, they, okay. When you're getting paid a certain amount of money, right. you're supposed to be scheme independent, yep. not scheme dependent. Oh, that's right. See, you complain more when you make less. When you make more, you could when you when you could when you make more, you complain less. When you make little, you complain more. Okay. Mm. That's why all them big money guys, you don't hear them bitching a lot because they're making their market. You ever hear Aaron Rodgers bitching about or Aaron Donald bitching about anything? Nope. He ain't he, bitching he, about he, nothing. He's making no, that's, $30 that's million. Dollars. That's a good point. That's a good point. But overall, though, I like I, I do like this think this think tank about AJ Brown's future in Philadelphia, and this has nothing to do with who he is. He's this a strictly, great player. Yeah, this is strictly what this is strictly about getting the Philadelphia Eagles as a team back on track. This has nothing to do with AJ Brown on or off the field. This this is strictly the reason what, I'm talking about him is because he's a great player. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not trading. I'm not trading a. Tra I'm not trading Zach Cunningham. Right, you can't get anything for that. So. I'm not getting nothing for that. I'm not getting nothing for Nicobe Dean. You know right. what? I, I asked somebody a question about Nicobe Dean. I asked Dan Morgan this. If you put Nicobe Dean on the market right now, you couldn't get a sixth rounder for him. AJ Brown is the most valuable asset the Philadelphia Eagles have. Outside the quarterback. I, obviously, obviously, outside the quarterback. But I, I mean, as far as just impact, production. That's a great combo. He Who may be their most players on your team, right? He them, he's the he's their most valuable asset. AJ Brown's the most is number one and the I most tradable asset at the Vontaze too because of his youth, right? And that kind of rookie contract. But but here's the thing about the Eagles: when they, draft, when, they, when they draft you, they 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 love you forever. So the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles drafted Devontae Smith and knowing what he did in that final playoff game, I think that make that's that forced the Philadelphia Eagles to think, okay. We got to find how much do we really want to keep AJ on his roster? We know we need a lot more draft picks. We need some high quality draft picks at that. It's something they have to consider. I'm not quite there yet, though. But I, but, but, um, so you're probably I, a year away from it. I think I'm a year away from that kind of decision. Me personally, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm about a year away from that decision. I need Hurts to get back on track. See, but here, watch this next year, year older. I don't know. I can get two. Probably right now, I know I can get two and a three. If if he if if he gives you another if if AJ gives you another yep. year like this one, yep. you're, you're getting gambling. Two. But you're, watch you're this, Stone. I know for a certain I can get two twos and a and a three. Right I now, agree. yeah, yeah, I think you're right because right now, okay, AJ Brown is 26 right now. This time next year, he'll be 27. Okay, you're starting to get there. And he is currently in which year of the contract? He is in <clears throat> um, this year. Four years. Yes, yes. So he's in. So 2024 is the second year of that four-year extension he signed. 2024. He played the first year last year in 2023. So, um, oh, actually, it's going to be finance. It's actually going to be fiscally better for them to make a move after after the 2024 season because um the dead cap gets a little bit lower it's still high but it gets a little bit lower and the contract is the contract is is, is more tradable it's easier to trade 
So, so this convo is probably a year away. I think th- I think this convo is about a year away. Because uh, in total guarantees on on the on the uh, contract is fifty seven point two million. So um, after twenty twenty four, the guaranteed money is pretty much gone. So he's going to be looking to re up at some point in twenty twenty five. I think that I think that's when they make that make that decision. I wouldn't be surprised if AJ gets traded after the uh, twenty twenty four season, going into the twenty twenty five, because of because of the guaranteed money basically been almost gone and. Um, the fact that they're going to need as many assets as possible to get that defense back on track. It'll be it, it'll be the perfect window to do so. And his value is going to be probably the highest it's going to be. He's literally in his in his prime. Good convo, Tom. Good convo. As always. As always, sir. Here in a minute. That was good stuff, man. I appreciate it, my friend. All right, Jason Cole's going to join us. We're going to talk about the conference championship games, MVPs, players of the year. We'll do that with him. He's got votes in all of it. Keep it here, National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're starting to get into the area of Joe Montana, Troy Aikman, Terry Bradshaw with Patrick Mahomes. If he gets to another Super Bowl and happens to win it, that's four Super Bowls and three wins. That's Elway kind of stuff and... You're starting to have that elevated conversation about, you know, there's a, here's the top deck. It's Brady and Montana. And if you want Bradshaw, then you get down to Aikman. Then you get down to Elway. And I'm not talking about ability. I'm talking about pelts on the wall here. Okay. Very few of those guys again. And again, I'm not saying that Troy Aikman's a better quarterback than John Elway. He's not. We're talking about postseason legacy here. There's a difference. And the next guy, before I bring him on, will tell you that when they're debating him for Hall of Fame, John Elway's a better quarterback than Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman's more accomplished. That doesn't make him better. Team, coach, environment, Dan Rees, Mike Shanahan late, Aikman, the greatest ability and one of the greatest team builders ever around him. All of those dynamics play into it. That's why when we talk about the Eagles not really having a great roster this year on the defensive side of the ball, all of that plays into this. NFL legacies are important. Most people who don't, and most people who shit on it, don't have legacies. It's important to the game and to the players. Let's bring in Jason Cole, who is an architect of reading into what those legacies are. And I think this is really an interesting weekend, Jason. I mean, look look at Jared Goff even, what he's going for. It would be the seventh player in NFL history to potentially take two different teams to Super Bowls and have an opportunity to do that. And by the way, remember this with Goff. I know, look, four four years out of the last six, 4,000 passing yards, but at the end of the day, He was looked at as a bridge quarterback in Detroit, and he's got a chance to do something really great here. There's a lot of sidebar stories here. What's the most compelling one to you this weekend? Lamar Jackson and his legacy. That's his guy is going to have two MVPs in what one, two, the first six years of his career. And he's 26. He's 26. Hotly debated quarterback. Was he worth it? Not worth it? Do you invest in a guy who plays that way? Changed his style a lot this year. Became more of a true. I mean, he's a better quarterback today than he was in 2019. When you talk about how is the quarterback supposed to play? How do you run offenses? How do you last playing that position? Because we all know that you can't last running the way that he ran. Um, forever and the injuries were starting to add up the previous two years well he played a a year healthy um, made it through a season in part because he changed a lot of things about the way he played they changed their coaching staff but at the end you are measured by pelts on the wall at that position 
So are you going to get pelts on the wall? I mean, there's a couple of guys who've made it without, you know, Marino, Fouts, you know, there's, there's some guys like that. Moon. Right. But, you know, Marino's sort of lost in the, in, in the conversation now about greatest quarterback of all time. And there's never been a better thrower of the football. Right? Like, it's going to be a joke 10 years from now. Everybody's going to go, Dan who? It's like, did you not watch him throw a football? Like, I think he's the Barkley of the NFL, where Barkley is one of the very few men to have 20,000 scoring points and 10,000 rebounds. There's only a handful of those guys. And you're going to look back at Marino and go, you don't remember what that guy did in 84, 85 when he revolutionized the entire game and how you throw the ball. No one had right. ever seen anybody throw 38, 45 times a game with the amount of accuracy of deep passes. When we put game film on, Jason, see, Elway was so different because he had legs and he had the power arm. Marino mm -hmm. did, couldn't jump over a stack of quarters, but when you were putting the old VCRs on, you sat there and you watched, this guy's got a release like Namath. Yeah. It was insane. Uh, and, and accuracy that was better than Namath. And, uh, you know, the anticipation, the ability to read a field, all those things that go into quarterback and they're so important. I mean, Marino's just but, – but, yeah, in 10 years, because the numbers are so absurd now and so many people have passed him by, people aren't going to remember what he was in part because he doesn't have rings. And it's sad, but that's the way that it is. Because you all the quarterbacks you talked about, you didn't talk about Moreno in, in the open because you were talking about Super Bowl legacies. Well, now take that back to Lamar Jackson. What's your legacy? You're one of the greatest running quarterbacks of all time. You're up there with Michael Vick. You're up there with, with Cam Newton. You, know, you may have last for a long time. But did you win Super Bowls? Did you get to the Super Bowl? You know, did you did you take advantage of the opportunity, or were you, you know, were your liabilities showing up um, in big critical playoff games when you couldn't make the big throws? Because that's the that's the knock on him right now that 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 throwing motion and the way that he throws the ball don't lend themselves to winning in big games. Well. I think he's improved enough to the point that he can, and the Baltimore defense can't get any better than it is right now. Like this is this is the best defense of his time there. It's a great defense. Um, you know, all the numbers are right there. He's got a supporting cast. Let me let me divert this conversation a little bit here. We'll get back to the conference title games. What did you make of the Eagles retaining Nick Sirianni as coach? I I didn't understand the debate about whether you would or wouldn't. I mean, like this is a good accomplished coach. He's had bad he had a bad seven game run at the end of the year. Hmm. Coach coaches go through that. I, I I didn't I didn't understand the desire to get rid of him. Look, does he have flaws in some of the things he did? Did he not do this right? And should he have gone out and found established, you know, coordinators to make the transition easier? Yes. But that doesn't mean you throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Like, just don't do that. You have a good coach. They're hard to find. Stay the course with it. Let let him fix it. And if he doesn't fix it in a year or two, then you say, okay, it's time to move on. But And, and maybe a year from now, we're having some absurd conversation about Bill Belichick coming to Philadelphia. 
you know, if depending on how things go, you never know how it's how it's all going to end up. That could happen, but but I, I I'm okay with them keeping Syria now. Didn't understand the desire to get rid of him. What was your take on Harbaugh getting Harbaugh getting the Chargers job? Perfect fit. I mean, get him to a place with an established quarterback, and let him toughen up that team. Like that, that's a talented roster. Yeah, they're going to have to move on from some guys because they're a little bloated here and there. Every team has to deal with that at some point, but they've got guys. And what they need to do is get mentally tough and physically tough. And I think Jim Harbaugh in LA is fascinating to me. Like, must see TV. Oh, absolutely. And even though he is so not LA. You know, whereas McVeigh is sort of L.A. And, and Stafford is sort of L.A. Harbaugh is not, but it plays perfectly. Like, it just it's it just works, you know. They're going to love him in L.A. because he's quirky and different, and he'll win. And he wins everywhere that he goes. I mean, he's going to make that a better football team. He made Stanford a better football team. He made the 49ers a better football team. He made Michigan a better football team. He made the University of San Diego a legitimate program for, for a few years. He's going to win. He knows how to do it. He knows how to how to bring out toughness in people and, and get them to buy into doing things that they don't want to do, which is what coaches ultimately have to do, right? He compels people to do that. He's going to win football games, and they got a quarterback. Like This ain't that hard to me. Here, here, here's where, and I covered that team for five years, and I actually know the Spanos family, and I'm very good friends with Tom Telesco, and that organization has been a centric general manager's uh, haven. Like when A.J. Smith was there, they believed in mm -hmm. him more than Marty Schottenheimer. They fired Schottenheimer, 14-2. and two, Marty wanted to keep Drew Brees over Rivers. The whole thing and all that stuff always went through the GM. For mm -hmm. the Spanos family to make – a complete pivot on how they run their organization by dumping the GM and now getting a GM to work with, with Harbaugh tells me they had an identity crisis in the building. They mm -hmm. wanted to get, now they don't any longer. Now they're going to get a guy that's a football centric guy. Who's going to have complete control of that organization. Mm -hmm. I think this is more about the Spanos is pivoting and wanting to be relevant oh, and in Los Angeles more than anything because that's the ultimate hire, and he was the ultimate candidate. You have a great quarterback. Yeah, and don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't. Right. You had an opportunity a year ago to get Sean Payton. You, you played conservative. And when you played conservative, it worked against you. It hurt you. To play conservative, um, I, yeah. This 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 goes against what the Spanishes have always done, but it was time. It was time for them to try and take control of this market, the LA market, because as much as yes, the Rams are the number one pro team there, the Rams are not like this high echelon. Like they're not LA. No, you got okay. Dodgers and Lakers there. 
Well, and you have USC football. USC football. LA bigger. Galaxy, believe it or not, are a big play in that city. Right, and the, and UCLA basketball. There are all these things SC in LA. Football. Right, SC football, UCLA basketball, the Dodgers, the Lakers. I mean, you you know, Kings. the Rams are the Rams are just slightly above where the Kings are. Yeah, I agree. And so you can challenge, but if you're going to challenge, you got to take advantage of that quarterback. And you better bring in a big personality at, at, at as the coach that compels people in LA to pay attention. You bring it in a national championship winning coach into your into that environment to to coach Justin Herbert. Man, like this is this is as perfect as it can get. Jason, I heard this, and on our program we have had Rich McKay on like five times, and. He's been a dear friend of mine for over 30 years. And Rich McKay was part of the process of hiring Raheem Morris to the staff with Monty Kiffin down in Tampa when he was down there. And they had uh, Mike Tomlin on that staff. They had a Lovey Smith was on that staff when I'm talking to defensive staff. So there was a history of Rich and with Raheem in Tampa. And then when he left to become the president of the Atlanta Falcons, that's when Bruce Allen took over, and that's when he got the head coaching job because the Glazers really liked him. They elevated him too soon, and I'm friends with Raheem, and I love the hire, but to me, the passing on Belichick came down to this from what I heard is that when Bill met with Arthur Blank, and he only met with Arthur Blank, he didn't meet with any of the other people that were in the building. I want to hear what you heard, and this is what I heard. He wanted to bring Scott Pioli in. And he wanted Scott to be part of the process of helping him bring some of the personnel. And the Falcons didn't want to do that in the management side of football. Arthur Blank wanted to hire Belichick, but was talked out of it by his football people. And that's why they landed on Raheem. So, again, uh, that's kind of what I heard. I don't know if you heard anything different, but so Bill, wrong. Wanted, I mean, Bill still wants was- control. He wanted he wanted Pioli there to help out. Pioli's around. He was also wor- willing to work with Fontenot, and he made that he made that clear that he would work with Fontenot, and that didn't bother him that much. Um, but yeah, there was some discomfort there. Look, here's my thing about the Falcons organization that I worry about. They're working really, really hard to kind of sell Atlanta on this team. Right, and to to really market it and brand it and do all those things that you know business people talk about, right? Selling tickets. Yeah, but selling tickets in football is based on one thing: do you win? Right, but selling Belichick is hard because he's not fun and exciting and engaging and. He's curmudgeonly, right? He's not, you know, like, like that's the, the public view viewpoint of him. And for good reason, because that's what he is publicly. Now, privately, he can be much more engaging and much more charming when he wants to be. But, but publicly, generally, he's not. And so I think you get all those branding people and marketing people, and they get scared off by having a market Belichick and it's like 
now we have Raheem Morris. And you know Raheem. Great guy. Raheem, Raheem is a great guy who is like a cup of coffee in the morning. He's a shot of caffeine. Oh, absolutely. He is, he is, he is high he is, energy. He is, he, he, is he, he commands a room. Right, absolutely. He's fun. He's got a big smile. He's a great guy. He's a good coach. There's no yep, question about it. He is. Right. But but on top of that, that's a black man in Atlanta, right? Yes. The the with the biggest black population by percentage in the entire country. 58% of the season ticket holders are African American. Right. And, and so, so to me, you're selling a winner. You're selling Yes. An African-American. And mm -hmm. to me, that is why it was perfect. You're, first and foremost, like you said, he's a quality human. He's a great coach. Absolutely. He fits the demographic of the area. And I think all of that is what won the day in Atlanta to get Raheem that job over a guy with six Super Bowl rings. Think about that. He connected more of the dots than a guy with six rings. That's pretty impressive. Uh, it, it's, look, I'm sure Raheem was a great interview. And and it might and ultimately it might work because the most important thing that the Falcons have to do, more than the coaches, have you found a quarterback? Like find a quarterback because you don't have one right now. And you think they got, bring Cousins you, down there? Look, I think the number six pick puts you in position to get a quarterback this okay. year. You know whether that's whether that's a kid out of LSU by moving up. Or waiting, see how they, you know, see how this whole thing unfolds. Whether that is get Michael Penix from Washington, move around, you know, however it happens to be. Whether that's trade for Justin Fields and see if you can make it work with Justin Fields, Atlanta kid. Yeah, that's an Atlanta kid. Like Justin Fields is a really good fit in terms of this is an opportunity for a kid to go back home, be more comfortable, get get a good established. That's um, intriguing. Yeah, you know, like, like all that stuff works. They've got, I think they have options, but they got to get the quarterback situation right. Right. They, they just, they, they, there's, there's no, there's no choice. They have to find a guy who can play that position because that makes you competitive year over year. I mean, Matt Ryan made them competitive for a long time. You know, they have with Matt Ryan, and they put, they put butts in the seats. And that was after the whole Vic disaster. They Absolutely. had to change the, the only way Katrina they changed the that thing. dynamic around with a white quarterback was that he won and they went to the Super Bowl and he was an MVP because that was a tough Vic was a god down there. I right. mean, that ticket, that fan base, Rich told me, he goes, Hey, this is business I'm talking about here. That fan base was not happy about that Ryan pick. And he had to win. Well, they were they weren't look, they weren't happy about how they perceived that Michael Vick was treated. Correct. That was the and 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 look they hated the fact Mike, they moved off him. They should they thought they should have supported him. Absolutely. And I and I get that. And look, Michael, you know, look, we're let's not revisit the whole Michael Vick right. thing because that's that's been done. Okay. But you know, toggling from Matt from Michael Vick at that time to Matt Ryan was not easy. And it took a while for the city to warm up to Matt Ryan and he had to win. But the bottom line is they got to get the, they've got to now transition from okay, we have Matt Ryan, he made us competitor for a while. Who's our next quarterback gonna be? Who's that guy who's going to make us competitive for the next generation? 
And they're at number six in the draft, in a draft that has a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of them way up high, you know, three guys up high. And then you've got the decision to make on Michael Penix, who I think is, like, I, I wasn't real impressed with Penix's throwing motion early on when I first saw him. But then I watched him in the playoffs. And it's Semifinals like, kid, was spectacular against Texas. I thought, I th look, I thought he was, you know, he was tough as nails against Michigan. He was. Now, you know, that, that kid played hard. And he, you know, they missed Michigan a couple of throws. Him. Yeah, but they, well, he, he had a chance earlier on in that game. But, you know, him and Adunze missed missed a play. And then they missed, you know, another play here. That if they hit those two plays, because they're a big play offense, maybe it's a little bit different. But he was tough in that game, man. Like he took a lot of hits. And so the question, you know, between those guys, and then you've got what? Who's the other kid? Is it the Texas kid who's coming out? Can't win yours. Maine. Um, no, no, the kid from Texas isn't coming out. The kid you got uh, Daniels from LSU. You got Caleb Williams. Well, there's another way. It's but there's another kid from is it um, Bo Nix from Bo Nix from yeah, Oregon. Bo Nix from from Oregon. So that's that's five guys. Who are probably going to end up being first round picks, and there may be another. There may be another one in there, but that's a that's a hell of a group of quarterbacks in the first round, and they're in the middle of that at number six. They are okay. Let me let me go here before the divisional games. So the AP came out with their candidates, and I'm going to go down the list here and just get your overall your overall take on this NFL MVP. The five names are Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey. Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, and Josh Allen. Which one of those guys, in your opinion, did you think was the most valuable person, player in the National Football League? Well, that was Lamar Jackson. It's not, I, I, it's not a debate. Over McCaffrey. Yeah, over McCaffrey. I mean, McCa look, McCaffrey was terrific. But so was Brock Purdy, and he did, you know, he did his part of the job. So it's and they're and they're They've got an array of people. I would love to vote for McCaffrey. I mean, McCaffrey's a Stanford guy. And he got robbed of the Heisman um, when he was at Stanford. I'll, I'll maintain that to this day. But if you're asking me who he was did. the most valuable, most I valuable thought it was also racially biased a little bit because he was a white running back and he was on the West Coast. And I thought I don't that think I, I don't think I, I I disagree with you on the race thing. I don't think it had anything to do with race. I had every it had everything to do with he played in the Pac-10 night. Okay, which was seven thirty. Seven thirty Pacific, ten thirty Eastern. Right. People people didn't watch him play games. And Derek Henry and was did great. It. Was, and I'm a said, voter on all of those things for Heisman and this and that. And there's no question. I was you know, you know, Jason, I didn't think there was West Coast bias until I moved out west. And then when I saw how the people looked at West Coast football because they just don't stay up. When I had to put my top twenty five in. For the AP, mm -hmm. I have to stay up until eleven o'clock. Can you imagine on the East Coast, people staying up till three o'clock, waiting for those games to end? There's no way they're staying up till three o'clock. No, they they're, they're just going to write them in. They're going to read the box score in the morning and say, "Oh, well, he must yeah. have played great." You don't see it. And, you know, it was different. It was a little different when, like, Reggie Bush was at USC because they played a little more. They more played primetime games. They were playing a national championship. They're playing so nine o'clock games. Right. And he was electric and hard to miss. But look, Christian McCaffrey in college was every bit as good he was, as was Reggie great. Bush. And, but people didn't see him play. And it, and again, in the other areas, like when Garrett, you know, when Mike Garrett and OJ were, were winning Heisman, so those guys played daytime football. Right. right. New games. 
Yeah, so you were still seeing them play on the East Coast. I mean, the the whole night contract thing that the Pac-10 eventually agreed to to put their. So you think the TV in. networks destroyed the Pac-12? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's a, that not the TV. You're networks. dead right. I never the, thought about those Pac-12 games being on at noontime, watching UCLA and USC at three o'clock my time on the East Coast when I was a kid. That was noontime back east, and the majority of those. Notre Dame, uh, USC games, UCLA, USC games, Stanford, Cal games, they were all in the daytime back east. I didn't yeah. think – you're right. You're right. Right. So, so you know, look, there have been a lot – you know, I'll go back to Andrew Luck didn't get the Heisman because he, a lot of his games were played late in the day. and People did not see him a lot. Um the running back before the running back before Christian McCaffrey to finish number two, and I'm trying to remember his name. Um, Gerhard. Yeah, Toby Gerhardt was you know finishing the I think second in the Heisman voting. Now I don't think that he necessarily lost it out, but we had three guys finish second in the Heisman voting, and I swear forever that not having your games on played on a regular basis so that people could see you play just killed you. And that was oh. the hub that was the hubris of the Pac-12, thinking, okay, we'll we'll create our own network and we'll do it ourselves, and we'll all do the night games on ESPN, and we'll take control of our all of our rights, and it just it just killed your your best players. One name, Larry Smith. Let me move on to this. He was the former Pac-12 um, commissioner, and I think he destroyed the the conference. Coach of the year, Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh. D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski from the Browns. It's D'Amico, and, and that's a good that's a good crew because they. I didn't expect them to be a playoff team. Did you have any thought? That I, I thought they'd win four games, at best. I thought they might. I thought they might win six or seven. No way. Because because the Ricky division Coates, was so Ricky quarterback. I, no, I thought I thought they could win six or seven because that division is so bad. That's the way the way I, I considered it. Uh, yeah, I, okay, I, okay. I got every noise in the background going on today. How about Kevin Stefanski though with five different quarterbacks? It's a hell of a job. I that's a close that's a close one. That's a really that's a really, really close one to me. How come John Harbaugh doesn't get a lot of run? Do you think his brother kind of jades how people look at him? This guy's a Super Bowl coach. He look what they did to Lamar Jackson. How could Lamar Jackson have an MVP season? And from the year previous to that, you're questioning whether or not he's going to play and you're going to resign him, but he never did. And here you are in the AFC title game and you're hosting it. And you got an MVP guy who's going to win the MVP. Where's your? I mean, this guy did. He's the guy. He hired Todd Munkin. Look, look, look. look. There's a justification for all of those guys. It really is. But wait, I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not. And I'm. And it's a. And look, Dan Campbell. I. I, I think about. Think about this. In 2021, the Detroit Lions hired Dan Campbell, who's talking about biting people's kneecaps, right? <laughs> but he was a WWE wrestler. Right. Yeah. The Chargers hired Brandon Staley, and everybody thinks this kid's a genius. Three years later. Who's the one who's out of a job and who's the one who's got in the NFC championship game rebuilt a quarterback and looks like based on their draft and how young they are, 
And if they just get a few more defensive players in this next year's draft and, and keep supplementing, who looks like he he's not going anywhere. Like the Lions, the Lions are here for a while. Who Depp Brad like. Holmes, now, that GM, yeah. he did an amazing job. Well, since but, he's Dan, been up but there. Dan Campbell had an yeah, idea of Dan Campbell had an idea. And, yeah. and this is the, the thought that I go back to. When everybody is zigging this way and talking about pretty playing pretty football and wide open and doing all this, he's like, no, no, we're going to come back and we're going to play power football and we're going to play play action. And we're going to we're going to run up there and we're going to get some players around Jared Goff. And again, we're going to play run game first and we're going to become competitive and guys are going to buy in. They're going to do these things. They're going to play tough guy football and we're going to build a really good offensive line and all and all these kind of classic things. Right. And he did it. And they're good. And he even buys into some strategic stuff, analytic stuff, by going for it in fourth down situations in the you know in the fourth quarter, not backing down and not doing the you know typical kind of you know lunkhead football coach kind of stuff of you know three yards in a cloud of dust and all that. He's aggressive in, in the right situations. He's 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 played it exactly the way you'd hoped that Brandon Staley would have taken advantage of what he had with the Chargers, but. But Brand Stadley just frittered it away. And you never would have thought that three years ago. So there's a case for Dan Campbell. There's a case for Stefanski. There's a case for Shanahan. There's a case for Harbaugh. They all did magnificent jobs. But if you tell me that, if you told me before this season that the Houston Texans were going to get to the playoffs, win a playoff game by smoking the one of the best defenses in the league with a rookie quarterback, who people were wondering, okay, he's a kid out of Ohio State, right? Like, like no quarterbacks, no history. Yeah, right, right. right. No history. Mm. Like, he's going to do all that stuff. And they're going to make the playoffs and be a legitimate threat. And you were going, nah, you're crazy. There, there's no way. You would have made a lot of money on that bet. I, I completely agree with you. I think D'Amico Ryans is that guy. A couple more here. Defensive player of the year, Deron Brand. Um, Max Crosby, Raiders, Miles Garrett, Browns, Michael Parsons, Cowboys, TJ Watt, Steelers. Where's Kyle Hamilton? He's not on this list. AP doesn't have him on their, their list of five. Where's Kyle players. Hamilton, man? Really? Where's Kyle? Raven. Where's Kyle, where's Kyle Hamilton, man? Best, best player in the best defense. Best player More impact than Roquan Smith, you think, than on that on that Ravens team? I know, Roquan, yeah, I, I'd say so because he allows them so much freedom to do stuff at the back end and and rush with four and do some of the and and you know like. Huh. Let me I just give you a little insight here on something that went down with the Eagles in Philadelphia. So the defensive back coach Denard Wilson had the number two pass defense in the NFL last year. And he, he interviewed for the D.C. job last year, and the Eagles decided to pass on him. And the whole fiasco that they had this year on that side of the ball was a train wreck. Then he goes to Baltimore. Now they're the number two pass defense in the NFL. And Hamilton, in your opinion, is the best defensive player on the best defense. I'm telling you, sometimes you have a guy in your own building, Jason, and you don't realize how good people are, but – if you think that Kyle Hamilton is that good, and he is, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, th I thought he deserved not primary di discussion, but 
there was a point in this season where he deserved to be in a larger scale talk about the MVP ballot. You know, when when we we're still trying to sort through like who's really actually a good, you know, and Lamar hadn't really taken off and kind of sealed the vote up and it was really close. I was like, okay, let's talk about some defensive guys. Let's talk about Miles Garrett. Let's talk about, you know, TJ Watt. And let's talk about Kyle Hamilton. You know, like you go, that guy's that guy's a, a beast, man. But if you're talking about if you're talking about the guys who are on this list, is Garrett is Garrett on that final five yeah, list? Miles Garrett is on that list. I think it comes down to Garrett and Watt. Like if you look at the this record with and without Watt during his career, and even you know especially this year, it's like they're like one in ten without him, and you know sixty, you know it's some crazy number, right? Like he stirs the drink for them, and he by by himself he makes them a 500 team okay and he's the biggest impact player so tj watt is just an incredibly special person what does he led the league in sacks three of the last four years something crazy like that i mean he's just amazing now i say that also for most of the season cleveland's defense you know carried them and miles garrett is the best player on that defense by far He's a Hall of Fame player. I mean, yeah, he's 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 on that he's on that track. And so, if you pick T.J. Watt or you pick Miles Garrett, I'm good with I'm good with either one of those. I just think it's a shame that Kyle Hamilton didn't make that list. I think people missed it. By the way, before I ask you about the offensive player of the year, what's your take as a D coordinator coming to Philadelphia, Vic Fangio? What, what what do you oh, think of the reputation he has? You think it's a great a great hire? Yeah, I mean Vic Fangio knows what he's doing. I mean, I know I've heard things that you know players didn't get along with him. In, yeah, but in I like that. I, I like that. I'll tell you why. I'm not asking my coach from players to like him. I'm asking them to play for him. Right. So I don't really care if you like my D coordinator or not. Oh, that's that's your problem now. It'd be better if they did like him or not, but whatever, you know. Look, when I watched the Dolphins from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, I thought defense is getting better week by week by week. Then by they week. got hurt yeah. a lot. A lot and, then, and then, yeah, the bottom fell out because they lost they lost Phillips and then they lost Chad and then, you know, and Van Gink and, you know, Van Ginkle and all that other guy. You know, like, it just, it was unfortunate at the end of the season. I thought that if they kept the defense healthy, it would have been a fair fight in the last two games. The game against Baltimore would have been a fair fight, and the game against um, the game against uh, um, Kansas Buffalo. City would have been a well. The game against the game against Buffalo. I'm sorry. The game against well, even Baltimore. The, the one game that they had yep, against yep. Baltimore. But the right, but even the playoff game against Kansas City would have been yep. a fair fight. Finally, here offensive. Player of the year, Tyree Kill, Lamar Jackson, CeeDee Lamb, McCaffrey, or Dak. It's funny, they 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 dissect this award differently, does the AP than the MVP. It's more statistically driven. I think that's the metric here. It's not really clear. Uh, whatever, whatever it is. It's like it's a yeah, I think McCaffrey like, wins this one. Yeah, McCaffrey wins this one. I mean, this is like I feel like we're in uh, 
the youth <laughs> league. We're running like the youth basketball league at the at the at the local gym. Participation medals? Is that what you're saying? We're no, it's now? not. I don't want to, I don't want to call it that. But like, what's the difference between MVP and and offensive player of the year? Like, especially when like my thing is in the MVP voting, we're not voting for defensive players anymore. Right, I know, and, and and like, where are the defensive guys? You know, where where are they? Where are they all? Um, because they deserve they deserve. You know, if if once in a while a defensive guy would win the MVP, and I know it's I'm, I know I'm just talking out of my rear on that one. It's not going to happen. Then I would understand the offensive and defensive player of the year thing. But Jason, the rest of your life as an NFL man, you'll never vote, or you'll never see. A defensive player ever win the NFL's most valuable player award? Well, unless he had twenty the rest sacks. of your life, he'd have to have twenty five sacks, right? Unless he's Reggie White or LT seasons kind of deal, you're never going to see that. No, and Aaron you're Donald's just not. Had, Aaron Donald's had some years where he should have been right there, right? But he wasn't. You know, he was always a quarterback. Just the way it is. Jason, thank you so much, my friend. By the way, real Anytime. quick, I didn't ask you. Who wins um, AFC title game? Chiefs, Ravens. Who do you got? Look, the math tells me that Baltimore wins this game. Um, uh, but the math is also obscured by the fact that <laughs> Kansas City's wide receivers were so bad during the season and just didn't catch the ball. Um, and so they caught the ball in the last game. Right, like Valdez Scantling made that tough play down the down the sideline. They they've been making they, plays in the postseason. They've been making the play. You know, they're back. They're, they're back to just catching the ball, right? Um, and that's all you really ask them to do. So that changes that a little bit. And then it comes down to Mahomes versus versus you know Lamar, who's going to step up and and you, know, you have to go with Mahomes on that one. That's a tough game for me to pick. I think it's going to be Baltimore because I just think Baltimore is. Played the most consistent all year in the entire league. Even so I'll, take Baltimore. I'll take I'll take Baltimore. I'll take Baltimore by I'll take Baltimore by you know four in that game. However you want it, however you want to dice it up. I think San Francisco. I think it's a little bit chalk in, in the other side. Now the one thing that in the San Francisco game, <coughs> as much as people want to talk about Purdy, as, as much as people want to talk about Purdy and focus on Purdy and all this other stuff. He had he had a bad game in the rain. He's had two bad games in the rain this year. It's supposed to be clear and nice this weekend, right? So he should be fine. Debo, I expect, will play, and he'll be okay. My concern is actually the San Francisco defensive line has not been good this year. They, they Those guys were paid a ton of money to dominate. There's two dudes on that D-line between Boza and Hardgrave. That are over forty-five million dollars. Well, and, and Armstead got paid too. Armstead got paid too, right? Right on. Right. And plus, and Chase, Young, and Chase Young. Chase Young is looking to get paid. Yeah. Well, Chase yeah. Young's been, Chase Young has been a. I'm just telling you right now, he has been a jag in his nine games with them. He's been a jag, just a guy. He's got like two and a half sacks. He's got. Six or seven, you know, quarterback hits, and last week he let you know he let Aaron Jones get loose. He didn't he didn't seal the edge on that Aaron Jones play. So like he's just he's just a guy right now, and Nick Bosa is not getting off the ball. 
Like he, you look at Nick Bosa tape from last year, and there's no way to really measure this unless you have really good, you know, video instruments and timing stuff that I don't, you know, I don't possess that kind of stuff at home. But I swear that split second, and you know it as a defensive lineman, that difference between when you get on a guy's shoulder or whether you're in his chest, right, as a defensive end. If you get on his shoulder, you win. If you get, if you're caught in his chest, you lose. And that's a, what is that, a tenth of a second? What yeah. I think happened to him this year was I think more teams chipped him early in the year by putting that tight end over on him. I think they wore him down. And I think as middle of the season came up, if you watched him early in the year, you know, he came into the season in that holdout. Then he came into the season. He started picking up some steam. And what teams were doing, because they didn't think he was in good enough condition, they were putting tight ends over on him. The Cleveland Browns put a tight end on him. And they ran the ball right at him. And I'll tell you what, by the end of that football game, they were getting positive run yards with Kareem Hunt over him. And it wasn't I understand that, but they kind of wore his ass out. Right, but I think he's just that that much of of, no, I think he's off. I think I think he's been I think he's been worn down a little. Yeah, maybe maybe it's worn down, maybe it's just not seeing the ball out of the corner of your eye and, and reacting the way you're supposed to react. Like again, cause it's just, it's that twitch. It's really a twitch and he's just not there right now. And that's where Detroit has, has a chance. Cause if you can keep Jared Goff clean and let him get into a role, you can get your offense going. Um, Detroit's defense isn't going to stop San Francisco on a nice day. They're just not. They're they're not ready for this. But they, if their offense can score with them and get into the high twenties, they got a chance. You know, like they they can do that. Um, you know, it'll just depend on whether San Francisco gets into the thirties or not. Absolutely, my friend. I look forward to this weekend's game. Divisional was great. Conference title games are usually even better. So we look forward to that. Jace, thank you, my friend, for your. Your valuable time always with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. Be good. You got it. My friend Jason Cole, NFL Hall of Fame insider voter. Really appreciate him coming aboard. The man, the myth, the legend, Philly Godfather. Oh, he's next. He may have $200,000 with him to put on the desk to help all of you guys here. I think he's got two hundred grand with him. Okay. We're going to look at those conference championship games and we'll kind of revisit a little bit some of the awards and we'll talk a little Eagles with him when he comes in. Hit the like button. Keep it here. National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Season's gonna be awesome for the Eagles. It really is. It's just I I, I kind of like the names that are being thrown around right now for position coaches. I do. Would I keep Tracy Rocker? It's an unfair question to ask me. Of course I would. Um, would I hire Joe Barry as my linebacker coach? Sure. Who would be my secondary coach? How do you let Denard Wilson out the building? You know what I'm saying? How do you let that guy out the building? You couldn't see the guy you had in the building. You didn't see you had the guy. And most of the time, that organization does a really good job at elevating people inside the building. And they 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 couldn't get their own ego out of the way. You know, they couldn't get their own ego. I got to tell you something more that I just kind of got an email on. A friend of mine sent this to me. Drew Rosenhaus might be planning on an exit for Darius Slay. And that's why he threw that nugget out. That one of the reasons why Slay may not be brought back is because Fangio and Slay most likely won't get along. You see, you got to remember something about Rosenhaus. He does things strategically. Is he poisoning the water now? Not to let everyone think that Slay played poorly this past year. It was bad coaching and a bad scheme and that this new fit won't most likely work because Slay, but if Slay had a problem with anybody, it was Patricia. You see, when, when, when Bryant says that Darius Slay's cooked, not necessarily. There's a giant cap hit here. 
I, I, I like how the Eagle fans want to do this. See, you guys just want to fire somebody. That's This isn't college football. You can't just take a guy out and not look at the salary cap implications like with Bradbury. And, get this. As good as the banker is at putting deals together, those two deals at the cornerback position have completely backfired on him. And that's why when we were talking about potentially trading A.J. Brown, you're going to only have $20 million in cap space to do any kind of damage with when it comes to retooling your defense. How are you going to do that when 78% of that money is going to be allocated towards your draft in April in a couple months? Where are you getting the money from? Where are you getting the money? You got $30 million basically tied up in two corners that are not productive for you. And that you have a defensive front that's... By the way, do you actually think you're going to have more of a pass rush this coming year? Let's start there if you're going to really think about bringing these corners back. Because I know that everyone's thinking that Vic Fangio is going to be the savior of the Eagle defense. I'm not necessarily there because I don't think you have the personnel. You don't have the Jimmys and Joes. You just think your defense is going to automatically, with better coaching, be better when you don't have good players. You don't have good players. You know, when Tone and I were going over the, the schedule, now oh, we'll beat this team, we'll beat that team. My take was this. Shit, you couldn't beat Arizona and New York. And you get boat raced by Tampa. Before I'd start checking W, by the way, I happen to think, I'm not, I'm not saying he said anything wrong. I'm, I'm just saying, before anybody starts going, you're going to beat this team, beat that team, you got to look at the teams that killed you. You lost to the Jets. You lost to the Cardinals. You lost to the Giants. You lost to Seattle. You lost to teams that had no way were going to make the playoffs. I'm not even talking about San Francisco and Dallas. So when you say, well, Vic Fangio is going to come in and change this thing around, you're sounding like Howie Roseman. Now you're talking like the banker. Well, they'll fix it because the banker thinks it's not a personnel issue when he's wrong. You guys won 11 games in spite of bad coaching. Don't you get it? You can't have it both ways. Your defense was terrible because of personnel and bad coaching. Your offense and your quarterback carried the team to 11 wins. But when you had to have a stretch run to be a Super Bowl contender, you know what you were? You were a playoff contender, but not a Super Bowl contender. Which means between you being 11 and 6 and 9 and 8, no difference. You're basically a 9 and 8 football team. A couple lucky wins, Washington, Buffalo. Shit, man, you're a 9 win team. It's kind of how it is. It's kind of who you are. Okay? It's kind of who you are. Because here's the deal. 
once again, once teams figured out how to beat you, they crushed you. It's funny. I, I, I see somebody put up, they beat. Okay, I love it. They beat Miami, KC, and Dallas, and Buffalo. I like that. How did you lose to the Jets, the Cardinals, the Giants, Seattle, and the Bucks? Those are some pretty impressive wins. Those are some shitty losses. Nine and eight. So you had some nice wins. You had some horrific losses. You were overrated. You guys keep hanging on that record of 11 wins. Again, it's like telling me that Rich Kota is a better coach than Doug Peterson and Dick Vermeil because he has a better win percentage than those guys. That's your philosophy. People in here think that Doug Peterson and Rich Doug Peterson and Dick Vermeil are lesser coaches than Nick Siri Liar because he won more games. All you have to do is read in here. 11 win sales. Okay, so you think Nick Siri Liar is a better coach than Rich. The, the Rich Kotai is a better coach than Doug, Buddy Ryan, and Vermeil. Is that right? Is that right? Because he's won more games. If you were going to build a team with a coach, You'd build it with Sirianni over Vermeil, Doug Peterson, and Andy Reid, because he's won more games. Or six, six, seven. You can't be any stupider. Holy shit. <laughs> Thank God I get people on here with some common sense and knows what the hell they're talking about. Get this. Before I I want to I want I want I gotta you know what? Before I do this right now, I have to have a proper introduction for the man, the myth, the legend, who's made millions of dollars this year for all of his people. This guy now has bought a 70-foot yacht that now sits in Chesapeake Bay. He now has a townhouse down on Broad Street overlooking all you minions and all you peasants because of all the things that he's tried helping you do. He's paid more mortgages this year than Joe Biden has. Ladies and gentlemen, our friend, Philly Godfather. <laughs> the only thing I haven't done is pay off the college debt. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Joe Biden wants to forgive debt. <laughs> paid it with one stroke of a check. Paid, we wrote off all the debt here. So let me, before we get into the, the conference championship games this weekend, I have to get your um, take on the Liars Club on Wednesday or that thing we saw, what I call the fireside shot that you had there with those two clowns. I mean, 
Nick Sirianni and uh, Howie Roseman. I call Howie Roseman the banker, and I called Nick Pinocchio. That's what that's what uh, Angelo and I called him. I have to get your take on what you saw with that thing. I didn't watch it. You know why I didn't watch it, Dan? Because I already know what's going on. Like, what, <laughs> what, what are they going to lie to me right to my face and start stuttering when they start talking? And I mean, I'm big on pantomimes. And, you know, you can tell a lot about a person, whether he's telling the truth or he's lying, with the little, you know, mannerisms in his face. I guarantee if I go back and watch Sirianni's face, there's a million of them. So there's no, I, I already know what's going on. You know what I mean? He's a yes man. And that's all it is. Thank God they picked up uh, an adult, Vic Fangio. Um, but again, you know, he's had success. He's had failures in this league. Uh, but if he don't have the horses, if he don't have the talent on the field, it don't matter. He can't help the team. They're going to have to bring in a bunch of talent next year because if Kelsey leaves, they can't sign a bunch of defensive players. They don't have enough money. Uh, it's going to be an issue. And, it, and it's indicated – the odds makers in Vegas have made them the 13th favorite to win next year's Super Bowl. So there's 12 teams ahead what of them. What were they give context? What were they this year? Top four early in the season before the So they've gone started. down to 13 now. 13, and they might get worse. So that that's a clear indicator to me that the people with the big money that back their opinions with hundreds of millions of dollars think the Eagles are going this way. I told Angelo this team in two years will be a five-win team. I don't know about that because I think Lurie really cares about the team. And like we said last week, you know, love them or hate them, they've been competitive. Uh, but that NFC East is going to get tougher and tougher. Other teams are going to get better and better. They're going to have to draft the right way. And Harry Roseman has had a problem in the draft. He's trying to, you know, put together you know players and Band-Aids and, you know, it didn't work out this season. Uh, but below 500 possibility. I want to show you what some idiots actually think, because one of the reasons they brought him back, they said that Nick Siri liner has, has a 667 win percentage and he's been to the playoffs three years in a row. And he said that, how can you fire a guy like that? And I said, well, that's like taking this into consideration. Bear with me here. Godfather, check this out. You know, Chip Kelly has a higher win percentage than Doug Peterson, Buddy Ryan, and Dick Vermeil. I don't think anybody that's a Philadelphia Eagle, historian, or fan is sitting there writing Doug Kotai, I mean, uh, uh, Rich Kotai's name above Doug Peterson, Buddy Ryan, and Dick Vermeil as program builders when it came to wanting to be the head coach. According to some, they think because Sirianni's record. My point is this. I think he's overrated. I think that record is overrated. Okay? Because he's – what what redeeming quality have you seen in him as a head coach that makes you go, now that is something he does great? He baffled me for a couple of years with his record. I mean, and I kept saying – I get I it. And they kept winning. And then this year, is it a true indication of how good of a coach he is or how bad of a coach he is? Probably more than likely uh, because everything didn't go right this year. And uh, down the stretch, you saw what happened. One and five, one and six with the playoff game, a negative 82-point differential in that time span. It was ugly. So, uh, you know, he's a yes man. All right, you're going to keep him around. If the season starts off slow or real bad, 
they're going to get rid of him. Let's be honest. But you know, we'll see what happens. I want to. I just went through Jason Cole, but I want to get the man with the bag of money and his opinion on what he thinks these awards. I won't do them all. We'll get into some prop bets then, and then we'll get into the conference title games. But MVP came. The AP released their names for MVP: Lamar Jackson, McCaffrey, Dak, Brock Purdy, Allen. What's the money on, and who wins the league's most valuable player award? I mean, Dak Prescott's got the best numbers out of any quarterback this season, but he's they were kind of fugazi. He patted his stats. Now, remember, he, this is a regular season award. It's not right, anything to do right. with the postseason. Right. He patted his stats against some, you know, inferior teams. Um, it's probably, I mean, it could come down to Lamar or McCaffrey. Uh, it's probably those two guys. Probably those guys. Defensive player of the year, Deron Brand, Cowboys. Max Crosby, Raiders, Miles Garrett, Browns, Michael Parsons, Cowboys, TJ Watt, Steelers. Wow. They're all great. I mean, how do you pick one? Miles Garrett had a monster season. Uh, Bland had all those interceptions for touchdowns. Six. Yeah. I mean, uh, then he got hurt towards the end of the season. Uh, man, that's a tough one, man. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't bet on – and they're just all, you know, they're great options. I wouldn't bet on it, but uh, – I, I, I would take Miles, Miles Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, I'd say Miles Garrett too. For the Browns here. Last one before we – then we'll get to the props here. Um, by the way, one one more time. I, I, want, I want to get it punctuated. You would take – if you had to start your team right now between Dak or Jalen, <laughs> who are you taking? I don't know, man. That – Dak's the better passer, but he's a choke artist. And I don't like Oh, yeah, look artists. at you. You're you're still you sound like my guy Tone. You're still pissed off at him because he let you down, right? It, See, it, oh, look at it, everybody. It wasn't the look first at Godfather time. here. It was pissed the, off at Dak now. Yeah, it wasn't the first time. I mean, he's gotten brain cramps in key moments throughout his entire career. Now there was 15 quarterbacks better than Jalen Hurts this season. And Jalen does have a great offensive line, more weapons than almost any other quarterback in the league. So for him to regress, that's not a good sign either. Honestly, if you get the right offensive coordinator in here, I'll take Jalen over Dak. Very okay. There you go. Billy Godfather. Let's do now some props here. Now, I randomly wrote some names down here, so it's going to be both AFC and NFC guys. Then we'll get to the games here themselves, but so here we go. Brandon Ayuk, he's the healthier of the two. That's why I went with him. San Francisco, over under 79 and a half yards. That's a lot of passing, uh, receiving yards. Um, Detroit's pass defense, one of the worst in the NFL. Might be a little rain in that game. I don't know about the wins. I don't think it's going to be windy. It's in Santa. It's San or it's in Santa Clara. Yes. Yeah, it's going. To, I don't know about the winds. Uh, Purdy hasn't impressed me against the Packers with his arm. Overthrew a bunch of guys. Didn't really look great. I think they're going to run more this week. Uh, Seventy-nine and a half. That's a lot. You got so many weapons. I say under. Jamar Gibbs, Detroit, longest run of the day, fourteen and a half yards. Over, I like him, man. I'm going over in his uh, all his props this week. 
Dude, he, you know what? He's, I actually love Bijan Robinson down in Atlanta, but I think he's been a little more impressive this year than what the kid in Atlanta's been. He, he, he's been playing with a chip on his shoulder. There was, there was this one uh, hype video showing all the announcers saying what a bad pick it was for Detroit. They should have picked up Robinson instead. And who is this kid? And he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. I like that kid a lot. He's got an edge. Travis Swift, <laughs> over, under, five and a half catches. And I got to do this every time I say Travis Swift <laughs> because, you know, he throws little love buttons up now. Yeah, you can and do he's this like too. this now to everything. So, yeah, Travis Swift, over, under, five and a half catches. Let me put the jab in real quick. Um, yeah! <laughs> oh, my God, Mr. Vaccination. I'd say uh, they got to go over or else – you're going to get their asses handed to I say over five minutes. Go. Travis Pfizer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Patrick Mahomes. Over, under, four and a half rushing attempts. Over. He's going to be running for his life. I went over 26 and a half rushing yards. Uh, their offensive lineman's out. They're facing one of the best pass rushes in the NFL, one of the best defenses. He tends to run more in the playoffs than he does during a regular season. Uh, he's going to have to make some things happen with his legs. I'd go over. I'll tell you what. Have you not been impressed with um, Aiden Hutchinson as a pro? It's not bad. Not bad Dude, at all. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Howie, Howie Long a little bit. Like, effort guy, strong, get, never stops, has a high-end motor. He never – he got a little John Randall in him too. Wow. He's a high-end guy, man. That's high praise. You talk yeah. about two great uh, NFL players. That's a high praise for him. Zay Flowers over under four and a half catches for the Ravens in the AFC title game. Mm, I went over 41 and a half uh, receiving yards. That's right there, four and a half. Uh, I say over. I say over. Lamar Jackson over under 63 and a half rushing yards. It just sounds too easy to go over. <laughs> hey, I I don't know why I'm seeing out. Hey, wait a minute, right? Hey, wait a minute. When I when I see this for I see this guy's stat line in this game, how come I see a hundred and six seventy-five passing yards and like a hundred rushing yards and three touchdowns? I, I, I see that, and then on Mahomes' end, I see three hundred passing yards, kind of something like that. I mean Am I wrong, or do you think that the deep? Because I'll tell you, quite well. We'll get into the game, but I I don't know if this is going to be as easy as a putt getting all those yards against that KC defense for Lamar. Yeah, I'd rather him have less passing yards and more rushing yards, limit his mistakes, make sure no interceptions are thrown, because they can't afford to lose the turnover margin. Because Mahomes, Andy Reid, Spags—they're going to have a hell of a game plan. Uh, I don't think Mahomes is going to have a, a lot of yards passing because of uh, what's going on with his offensive line. Uh, and if you look at the two defenses he's played in the playoffs, Miami and Buffalo, both were decimated with injuries on the defensive side of the ball. So their offensive metrics aren't as good as they look in the playoffs. And now you're playing a monster, the most complete team they've faced all season. The best defense the Chiefs have faced all season were the Patriots. They didn't face a top 10 defense all year. So 
their offense was suff was you know inefficient during the regular season, and they won a bunch some games, but they were playing some of the worst defenses in the NFL. Now you're playing a team on paper that has the fifth best DVOA in NFL history. Now, metrically speaking, one of the best teams I've ever seen. The game's played on the field, but on that stat sheet, this is one of the better teams I've seen in a long time. Jared Goff, over under 260 and a half yards passing. I went under 261 and a half because of the issues on his offensive line. And even though the 49ers uh, sack rate, I think they rank like 20th in the NFL. Uh, I think they're going to be bringing it because, he's, you know, his tendency is to fold under pressure. And even though he's, he, he's got the second best numbers of any quarterback in the league this season, with the injuries on his offensive line and with the game plan uh, Shanahan's going to come up with, I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on him. And uh, that's why I went under 261 and a half. Brock Purdy, 274 and a half passing yards. There's so many monsters on that offense, and uh, that pass defense for Detroit is one of the worst in the NFL. I mean, all their defensive metrics are in the basement of the NFL, except for stopping the run. They're ranked fifth in opponent U.S. per rush attempt. Uh, I think Purdy has a big day. I think he bounces back. And uh, what was it, 270, you said? 274 and a half. I go over. Yeah, the total is at 52 now, so they're expecting some points. Odds makers are. In this game, I'd go over. All right, let's do the games now. Kansas City in their sixth straight AFC title game. It's the first time they've been in a conference title game in the Mahomes there on the road. They just come off the Buffalo win. The Ravens, um, the Ravens hosting the home game here. Actually, the Chiefs beat the Bills. The Ravens hosting the AFC championship game. Andy Reid versus John Harbaugh, Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. How do you see this puppy? I think it's a blowout. <laughs> Call me crazy. I'm going to be on, on another island here. I laid the money line, minus 185. I laid the three on Baltimore. I laid minus nine and a half, plus 200 on the Ravens. I'm expecting them to win by at least 10 points. Wow. And, uh, I also put them in some teasers. And you're not supposed to tease through zero. I did it anyway because anytime I want to bury a side, you know, I'll, I'll get down as much as I can. I could be wrong. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, you know, greatness is so hard to quantify. I know. And I've talked about that with years with Tom Brady, and Mahomes is great. But this season, people think, you know, he he's still great under pressure, and he has been in his career. But this year, when he's been pressured. He's the 29th best quarterback in the NFL, and he's thrown the second most amount of interceptions. And that's because of the lack of the, you know, wide receivers. And, you know, other than Kelsey out there, there's guys dropping balls all day long. So, uh, and now with, you know, their offensive linemen out, that's just only going to get magnified. And, you know, I mean, the Ravens defense, I, it, unless Lamar Jackson turns the ball over twice and they lose a turnover battle two to nothing. I think this is a blowout. And, you know, before the Texans game, I bet them three to one on my money for 10,000 that they would win the Super Bowl. So if the, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl, I win another 30,000 on a $10,000 wager. And I'm not hedging. I'm so confident. I'm betting more this week. I'm double dipping on the Ravens. I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. How about this? There was something I heard. I think 
my guy Tone brought it up, or somebody did on our network, that the Ravens have beaten like seven winning teams this year or something in a regular season where they have just – and they've beaten them by double digits, where well, they've just blown teams out. They I mean, that's insane to think that they have beaten that many teams like that. Here, here, here here's, here's, here's the thing. Rob Ellis brought that crazy. They've beaten like seven teams that had winning records by double digits. Like, I've the, never heard that before. They blew out the 49ers at home. At home, they destroyed <laughs> them. I think they were like four or five point dogs. They blew out the Detroit Lions. And in their only three losses, as I mentioned before in other shows this season, came when they had cluster injuries on both sides of the ball, or else this team might not have lost a game all year. Like, you know, the, the Chiefs, you know, they got a great coach, great defensive coach, great quarterback. But that talent on the field isn't even close to what the Ravens have. And I, I just don't, you know, I'll be shocked if they lose this game. Like, I'm putting my money in. Like, I'm, I, I've invested hours of research. Like, there's going to have to be high turnovers for the Ravens to lose this thing. Exactly. Exactly. Or else they're yeah. not going to blow this team. I just, yeah. I, I can't I, see I, Pacheco's I, I, I think even a, 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 um, a low-scoring game and a high-scoring game, believe it or not, favors the Ravens. It could go either way. I mean, if it's a blowout, you know, and you just keep scoring. And if Mahomes throws a couple picks, you know, each each turnover is worth about three points to the point spread. Uh, each stop on fourth down is a turnover. So if you're going for it on fourth down, you don't get it. That's worth three points. That's considered a turnover as professional sports players, that's what we look at it as. Um, yeah, unless unless something crazy happens and they turn the ball over two or three times and the Chiefs don't, I think they roll on this team. Pacheco's banged up. Uh, their offensive line's banged up. They can't stop the run. I think they're ranked 27th in the NFL at stopping the run, and that's what the Ravens do. They run the ball down your throat. Andrews is back. I mean, I don't see it. I don't see it for the Chiefs. Here we go, NFC title game. Lions and 49ers. Jared Goff can become just the seventh player to take two different teams to Super Bowls in NFL history. You got a guy in Brock Purdy who's making $870,000 a year. Queasy Watkins on the Eagles makes more money than this guy does. It's remarkable that he's done what he's done. He's the, Get this. And the top 20 passers going into this game, Brock Purdy has attempted the least amount of passes, and he's third in NFL in passing yards, which shows you the effective and the effective efficiency that he has. Debo looks like he's going to play depending on how many plays. I think Kyle Shanahan will cover some of the plays and the reps lost by Debo with McCaffrey in certain situations because he knows how to move him around. I think the Lions, by the way, the Lions got back Gardner Johnson, had a pick last week. That should help them in the secondary a little bit. I like both these teams going into this, but the Niners are at home. And after last year's disaster with Purdy getting hurt against the Eagles, how do you see this thing playing out? Uh, originally, the line opened up. The look-ahead line was San Fran minus five and a half. And then when he reopened the line, it was at seven. It went down to six and a half. Now it's shot up to as high as seven and a half. So uh, the public's all over Detroit here. I think like 65% of the money, the tickets being punched in Las Vegas, in Costa Rica, 
offshore in Atlantic City on the Detroit Lions. Uh, but the sharp money's on the 49ers here. I bet them uh, a couple weeks ago to win the NFC Conference. I laid 85 cents minus 185. Uh, this week I put them in a bunch of teasers. I tease them down to a pick them from seven. Um, I just, I mean, you, you play football. The offensive line is so big, and if you're missing a, a key guy on that, it's hard, man, especially with a team like the 49ers that know how to scheme defensively. Those linebackers they got, they got studs all over the field. Their offense is so efficient. Uh, they're at home. I'm hoping Detroit can hang around, but I, I, I'm leaning towards the 49ers. I mean, if you can lay seven, it's probably the right side. I, I, I tease them down to a pick. Are you ball. taking the 49ers and the points? I'm not laying the points. Okay. Uh, I just like – would, would you take Detroit and the points in this? Seven and a half is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's like they're but trying to But do you think they could blow them out too? Yeah, I think that I think that could happen as well. Uh, I just hate being on the public side. You know, anytime you're on the side of the majority, you got to pause and reflect. Like you got to pump your brakes. Why is everyone on this side? And usually they all get crushed. So uh, if they can run the ball and they can stop the 49ers from running because they do have the fifth best defense against the run, the Detroit Lions do, uh, then they got a shot to stay within that number, you know. But with the pressure they're going to be bringing, I think I kind of like the 49ers here, man. I like the 49ers. How about, and, this, little, how about this little nugget here? You know, you look at what the Eagles went through this year, and you look at the final four teams. You got Kyle Shanahan calling offensive plays for the Niners. You got Steve Wilkes calling defensive plays. You've got that coordinator in Detroit that's going to get probably the Washington job. And you've got another defensive coordinator in Glenn and who's being considered a candidate for head coaching jobs. Then you turn around on the other side, you got Reed and you got Spagnola and you got Munkin and you've got how the Ravens do business and their defensive side of the ball. I don't think there's any coincidence that you have great head coaches with great assistant coordinators and great coaching staffs that are also there around those great talented rosters. And that to me is probably one of the more disappointing things with the Eagles is that they had a talented roster early in the year. That's why they were 10 and one, but they didn't have a talented coaching staff. It didn't really match up this year. Did it Godfather that the coaching staff never matched up with the roster and the talent. And that's why they won those 11 games. And that's why there was so much inner fighting. I mean, eventually players stop believing in the system because it's not working. And uh, it's like having a great business. You, you need a great CEO, a great regional manager, a great manager. You need a great team in order to be successful in any business. And they run that football team like a business. They got some of the best of the best in key positions, in the coaching positions. And that's why they keep winning. I mean, those teams are, you know, who's better? Who's got better coaches than the Chiefs, the Ravens, the 49ers? I mean, that's why they're always there consistently. You know? Finally, what does the hiring when it comes to sports betting mean for the Chargers, when you put a guy like Jim Harbaugh in the building there, and it's not just that he's being put in and hired as a coach, he's also being put in in control because there's no GM yet. You know, when a coach is hired before the GM's hired, that tells you what's going on. It was kind of like Doug getting the job. Balky came after. Okay, so in your opinion, when he what does he do for Herbert? this coming 24 season, 
And what does he do for the Chargers when you're looking at them as a betting favorite going into the season? How much of an improvement does that make? How much of a play, I should say, does that make Los Angeles when they go into the sports books in 2024? Well, their futures before they got hardball were around 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl next year. Now they're down to 20 to 1. And by the time football season starts, they could be down to 10 to 1. They're going to be one of the uh, top four or five favorites to win the Super Bowl next season because of Jim Harbaugh. And, uh, I mean, the happiest guy in the world has got to be Justin Herbert. You know, who's happier than him? You know, I, I would think that his odds at potentially winning the MVP award will also go up because you've got a guy that Harbaugh that knows how to move the ball around the room. And also, too, you know, I was telling people that, look what the Spanos family did. For Justin Herbert, they went out and got the most qualified coach they could possibly hire as a head coach and play caller. And the Eagles are still fumbling around trying to figure out Cliff Kingsbury, this guy, another retread guy. They got the hottest coach on the market for that guy. That's why I say this. I think Justin Herbert has a better year than Jalen because he's got better people around him. I mean, he's the better quarterback, too. I mean, I think he's the much more elite quarterback than Jalen Hurts. And they did the right thing. They know they got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So they went out and got one of the best coaches around. Now, maybe the Buffalo Bills should do the same thing. Yeah, a great call. <laughs> you know, it's time to get rid of, you know, McDermott had a shot. Yeah. I didn't. I haven't liked him in years, and I like him even less after the last game against the Chiefs, the way he called that game. You got Josh Allen. You can't waste those prime years of the – Josh Allen's a monster. You gotta go get somebody for him, you know. I love that. I love that. That's a great call. Buffalo's on the hot seat right now, no question about it. Godfather, tell everybody in here, like everyone in here, how they can get a hold of your great takes and your great picks here on Jacob and also serious. You're all over the place. You're worldwide, like Jim McKay used to say <laughs> on Wide World of Sports. Philly Godfather spanning the globe. First, I want to apologize for opening up a can of worms last week, and then the whole city ran with it. I kind of feel kind of bad. But, uh, yeah, you can follow me on hey, Twitter. you got That's a little it. scared. It's okay. You know, Big Sills is here for you, Biggin. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. You can stop by the website, thephillygodfather.com. And yeah, I'm here every Friday. I'm the best show in the world, the Dan Cilio Show. Man. Hey, let me say this to you, man. You know we're relevant, man, when – Poor Baird Brooks says something out of nowhere, and all of a sudden he gets destroyed. I mean, I'm like, what? <laughs> and like, get this. You know that thing's got over like 850,000 views on it now. And I was like, Julio, you're such a liar. I'm like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> you know what the crazy part is? There's another 95% of information I could have released. I only released a little bit. Oh, Sam, please. I was holding back. <laughs> Hold, uh, more to come more to come godfather thank you my friend have a great one guys good luck and keep winning dan you got it man that's my friend philly godfather how you doing take a time out here hit the like button keep it here on the national football show and Hooters, the perfect pair.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamite & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. takes on the conference championship games real quick here nfc title game lions and 49ers pressure's on san fran if you don't win the championship now when your enemies are out we're out eagles and cowboys you got the lesser of the three to play in the conference title game your conference championship game would have been more difficult if Eagles or Cowboys are in it, but you have the Lions. Do you play down to them? Kyle Shanahan has, in many ways, underachieved in big game moments. Um, Debo not there. I still think Kyle Shanahan moves Christian McCaffrey around into positions that will take up for some of the reps taken away because of injury. I think the secondary, they do get Gardner Johnson back, who had a turnover last week, is a factor. Um, Debo is active. The petting now is going to be his production and his amount of reps. I would say. San Francisco, 24, Lions, 10. And the San Francisco 49ers advance to the Super Bowl. And Brock Purdy will be one game away from winning it as an $870,000 quarterback. AFC title game. I'm going to do it again. I don't know why I'm going to do it. I like that what you're saying there, 215. Seven and a half points is an awful lot, and I wouldn't have a problem with you taking the money line. Okay? I wouldn't. But for me, Chiefs and Ravens. God. Reed Mahomes, six straight AFC title games, two Super Bowl wins, three appearances. The guy's a 
The guy is a legacy player, a generational football player. Lamar is the guy with the most pressure on him of any quarterback in the playoffs that are left in the final four. He's got to stamp that legacy with a Super Bowl win or at least an appearance here. He's going to win his second most valuable player award. And yet he's not even 30 yet. He's going to be 26 years old. It's incredible. I got Ravens versus Niners in the bowl. Ravens winning it all. I have the Ravens. 27-21. Lamar Jackson. The last golden nugget that Ozzie Newsom left. Remember what he said when he walked out the door as general manager? Tone, I don't know if you remember this, but he walks out the door as general manager and he says, my last parting gift to you is the 32nd pick in the draft. And it's Lamar Jackson. Second MVP. He goes to the Super Bowl. And he wins at 27-21. I couldn't have been more wrong about a player. Lions over the 49ers over the Lions, 24-10. And Ravens over the Chiefs, 27-21. That's how we see it. Be a great football Monday. I'm sure we'll have more coming up from as the Liars turn in Philly. So we'll we'll, we'll have more of that shit show going on. Hey, you, ne- you never get enough content from the Eagles. I mean, they're, they're going to give you a whole week of it again. There'll be another whole deal of coordinators. Please let them hire Cliff Kingsbury. Please, because that will be great. Have a great weekend. Two to six on Monday. Xander, Big Joe, thank you. Tone, keep kicking that ass, man. You're absolutely sensational. Thank you for everything. Monday, we'll see you again. We'll see you on the flip side. and Hooters, the perfect pair.